America. We are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Now to the breaking news out of Texas. The four-day manhunt coming to an end for a fugitive. He's accused of gunning down five of his neighbors execution style. Killing them with an AR-15 after they asked him to stop firing the weapon outside in the yard. The search for the shooter involved more than 200 officers and continued around the clock for days. And in the end, he was just miles away, hiding under a pile of laundry. Well, a civil rape trial against former President Trump enters its fifth day with a longtime friend of his accuser among those taking the stand. Right, Lisa Bernbach testifying that Eugene Carroll called her just a few minutes after the alleged assault, hyperventilating and breathless, but would not acknowledge it as a rape and would not go to the police. And Trump has continued to deny that this encounter even happened. Minority leader Hakeem Jeffries sent a letter to his colleagues explaining the discharge petition. That's how it's known. It can be used to force a floor vote but it would require 218 votes. That's every Democrat and five Republicans. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says the U.S. could default on its debt as soon as June 1st without congressional action soon. At the request of the Department of Homeland Security, Secretary Austin approved a temporary Department of Defense increase of an additional 1,500 military personnel to supplement U.S. Customs and Border Protection efforts on the U.S. southwest border. Rebounded by Grimes for the lead. Oh, yeah! Jalen Brunson from downtown. 12-3, Knicks run here in the fourth. Robinson's three is off. And the Knicks tie the series. I'm sick and tired of people like Tiffany Caban, people in our own city council in New York, bad-mouthing police to the point that they do. I, I, I agree 100%. Uh, you are, you're 100% correct. Once in your life, you find her. Someone who turns your heart around. The next thing you know. From the great movie author, Christopher Cross celebrating a birthday today. This is author's theme when you get caught between the moon and New York City. 
How old Lou Rufino is Christopher Cross today? Okay. One of my favorites. He is a good uh, 72. 72. Wow. How about that? Yeah. Looks, looks good. <laughs> yeah. Really good. Dudley Moore is like long dead. I used to love Dudley Moore. Of course, uh, kids my age remember I was a teenager, I guess, when he ran the beach and a beaded-haired Bo Derek was running the beach with him in that great movie 10. Well, she was a 10. She was married to oh, the, the same guy, John Derek. He was also married to Ursula Andress. That's right, yeah. The gorgeous blonde in the James Bond movies. So needless to say, my man John Derek, he got some nice-looking ass along the way. Yeah. So Dudley Moore's dead. Uh, Liza Minnelli, I think she's dead, like, for many years. I mean, she's still alive, but basically dead. Yeah, I can't hear. And then you had, um, was it Sir John Gilgood, is that right? Oh, he, yeah. He Bitterman? Yeah. The guy who played his, his, his chauffeur. His, yes. Or, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, servant or something. Yeah. Good movies. So, it is a very busy hump day Wednesday morning on this show. So, in the spirit of Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, Trump claims that DeSantis has been disloyal to him because he's running against him. And he shouldn't do that because no one knew, I should say, who Ron DeSantis was, nobody, when Donald Trump introduced him, basically, to the voters in South Florida. He was losing to that guy, Gillum, who they ended up finding in a hotel with some gay guy smoking meth and really a, a, a tragic ending to that guy's career, almost his life. So Trump, and, and he should, takes all the credit for making DeSantis a star, and Ron did win that initial election because of Trump. Now, since then, Ron DeSantis has won the gubernatorial in the state of Florida again and has nothing to do with Trump. That's because DeSantis has distinguished himself as one of the great political leaders in this country. So, yes, Trump gave him the opportunity, like Don Imus gave me my opportunity, and DeSantis has gone on to be great like I've gone on to be great. I don't feel like I owe Imus my life and my career. You know, I really don't. And neither should Ron DeSantis, but that's how Trump is. So in the same spirit of Trump and DeSantis, I think this morning I'm going to suspend Arthur Idala again. <laughs> well, I didn't suspend him last time. I think the uh, the station did, but for whatever reason, I don't know. But So it turns out that, you know, my friend Joe Piscopo, who I love dearly and does a great show here on Sunday nights, a great show, Sundays with Sinatra. And Piscopo is one of the sweetest Nicest man you'll ever meet. Very talented, smart, just a terrific guy. I've got nothing bad to say about Piscopo. But he does a morning show that nobody listens to. I mean, nobody. Nobody. And Artie is filling in today for Piscopo up against me. I just allowed Artie back on this program a couple of months ago. And why did I do that? Because he is a great guest. He's not good. He's great. I've got Joe Takapina, who can't join me again until Tuesday. He's probably going to sum up this argument in this defamation rape Trump case Monday. Join me on Tuesday. But until he does sum it up, I can't bring Joe back on. But I've got Takapina, and I've got Artie, and I've got Alan Dershowitz. 
The three of them are amazing. And Artie's terrific, too, because he's got so many interests above and beyond the law, right? He's a big Springsteen fan and likes sports like Takapina. He's just a terrific guest. Uh, but he, he fills in for Piscopo every now and then when Joe's out, and he's doing it this morning. So he's trying to be nice to me. He sent me a picture of today's New York Daily News where if you heard the end of our open this morning, the very end after the Nick win last night, you heard me say to Eric Adams, I don't like people like Tiffany Caban, and I do have to give Curtis Sliwa all the credit in the world for telling me about this because he did. Curtis Sliwa showed me the pamphlets where Tiffany Caban is trying to convince little kids that cops are bad. That was all Curtis. Curtis is out there with Kelly Klingman. She's got my vote to beat Tiffany Caban. So all these things that are in just about every newspaper in New York today are courtesy of Curtis. I'll give Curtis the credit. But I did bring it up with the mayor yesterday, and I said, listen, people like Tiffany Caban, this lowlife, this animal in our city council, to be trying to convince little kids that cops are bad people, much like uh, Joe Borelli and Vito Pocella out of Staten Island said on the Cats and Cosby show a couple nights ago, why not get to the point where if you're openly critical about the cops, you don't get them. Tough, you don't get them. Somebody breaks into your house, call your friend, call your social worker, call somebody else. We ain't coming. Now, as Bo Deedle admitted yesterday, that ain't going to happen. They'll still show up because cops, that's what they do. But it would be great if they didn't. So, in today's local papers, Artie Idala sent me a picture of the New York Daily News. And on pages three and four, I mean both pages, there's a whole spread about Mayor Eric Adams' interview with me here yesterday. One of the pages is dedicated to the part where I said to Eric Adams, flat out, stop using the word racist. Said it to him. Said, I don't like it. It makes you look bad, and people are going to call you a racist. Took a lot of balls to do that, but I did it. That's on page three. And then on page four, the connected page, they do mention the Caban story. And Artie sent me that this morning. He's very excited for me. And I said, Artie, I'll take it a step further. Page two. In today's New York Post. So the interview is on pages three and four in the Daily News. Page two in today's New York Post. Sid and Friends in the Morning, WABC. Host Sid Rosenberg all over New York. And I said, Artie, thank you for that. And I decided now not to suspend him. What do you think about um, Um, all this? All this happening before 6 a.m., Lewis. Yeah, I, uh, okay, there's the coffee. Okay. (laughs) I'm trying to follow you. That's. There's a lot going on. A lot. That's a lot. But I got you so far. I got you. Miranda Devine loved the interview. So did Michael Goodwin. Two great writers for the New York Post. Michael Goodwin will join us coming up this morning at 940. Miranda Devine is actually in New Hampshire. She's texting me right now as we speak. All right. Yeah. She's out there with Vivek Ramaswamy, and she says, I think it's time that the Donald will be attacking Vivek. He's now tying for third place in the CBS poll. Third place. Uh, Obviously, Trump is one. DeSantis is two. I'm not sure who Vivek is tying. Maybe Pence. Maybe Haley. Let's go to our uh, newsroom head.
Noam Layden. Uh, Noam, what, what is uh, your title exactly? It's not newsroom head. What is your title exactly? I am news and content director, I think is my title. Stupid title. God. <laughs> By the way, I've, I'm trying to keep a suspension list who you've suspended from the show. Yeah. And I'm, I'm confused. Is Arthur off the show or is he on the show? He's on. So I know who's, what side to put He's on. He's on because he did uh, what you have to do basically is suck up to me. Mm-hmm. And him sending me pictures of the columns in today's local papers mentioning me and the show and all that. You're okay. Okay, You're in. so he's back on. I just want to. He's put, back on. Okay, hold on a second. Yeah. I'm just going to move his name from like, one like side to the other. Like I suspended one person from the show. It's indefinite. Who's that? They're never coming back. It doesn't matter. No, it kind of does because I might not have them on my no, list. No, you have them. This person has had ample opportunity, oh, ample opportunity to it? apologize for being a dick, which is exactly what he was. I mean, a big dick. And I don't care what his last name is. It means nothing to me. Nothing to me. <laughs> See, the, the clues are coming to you now. He's had ample opportunity to apologize and never has. Hmm. So that's the difference. Artie comes out. It took him literally 60 seconds to suck up to me. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm, I'm no, no really wants to know. He's, he can you, you figured out, Noam? I'm going to ask for a dry erase board because <laughs> the suspensions come and go so fast. Well, who do we got so far? Who do you um, have? I, well, I don't know. I just have that one guy, but you haven't told me who he is. Well, no, you know who he is. Who else uh, have I suspended? I, don't, no, I'm not I really, I really don't know who he is. Yes, you do. Okay. Yeah, well, maybe. His initials correspond with Letitia James' job. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Okay. Pretty good, right? That's yeah. Right. Good. Okay. Anybody else, uh, Lewis? His, uh... No, not about him. Though we've suspended oh, lately. Right. Or... He has a relative that was very big. <laughs> yeah, now you're really giving it away. Will you stop it? <laughs> okay. Anybody else? He's just dying now. He won't say it. Uh... I thought I suspended somebody else recently. Well, you're back and forth with Curtis. Like yeah. Seven, oh, that's true. He's, he has been suspended, yes. He was suspended for two weeks. Yeah, but he's too good. And Mayor Adams, I had to move him over because you had suspended him for a while. Mayor Adams was suspended for nearly five weeks. But I must tell you that the mayor was not good but great yesterday here. Not good but great. And uh, he and I are good again. Because I really wanted the mayor to go after Caban. I knew what he was going to say about the racist stuff and, you know, Abbott in Texas. And he's got the same script they've all got. He's got the same script. Biden, Kamala Harris, Mayorkas, all of them have. But at least the Caban stuff, he stepped up and did not try to protect her, did not try to defend her, and that made me happy. What do we have here from Eric Adams? Let's go with these two. This is uh, cut number one, Lewis, where, again, we had this in the open. He agrees with me, condemning Tiffany Caban and the city council members that openly hate the cops my suggestion was don't provide them with cops. He didn't go that far, Eric Adams, and, but he went far enough where his guy Fabian Levy, who's become a good friend of mine at uh, City Hall, had to pretty much defend Adams in this and, and say, look, he agrees with Sid in that he doesn't like when people badmouth cops, but we're not about to say we're going to take the police away, which is what he wanted Eric to do. But this is uh, Eric Adams, Lou Rapino, cut number one. I'm sick and tired of people like Tiffany Caban, people in our own city council in New York, bad-mouthing police to the point that they do. I, I, I agree 100%. Uh, you are, you're 100% correct. And when you think about uh, some of the comments going after 
the men and women who put their lives on the line. It's just to think, you know what I was told as a child, uh, uh, Eric, if you have a problem, you go over to that police officer. You go over because he's going to do what is right. And for someone to take uh, those who cross the line and do what is wrong and give it their parents that the thousands of officers that are running towards violence to keep us safe uh, are all uh, bad people. That is just wrong. It's the wrong thing to do. It's the wrong seed to plant in our children, and it could be actually harmful uh, to our children as they grow up. Well said. Now, the uh, second cut here is what I said to the mayor. I said, stop using the word racist. What Governor Abbott did had nothing to do with black. It was all about blue Democrat cities, Democrat mayors, Democrat states, Democrat governors, all five of those cities from New York to Los Angeles to Chicago, Denver, and D.C., all Democrats. And what I didn't say to Eric, which I should have said, was the reason why I know it's not about black and racist is if Bill de Blasio, white guy, was still the mayor here, Abbott would be doing the same thing. And that's a white guy. I didn't mention that, but I did say to Eric, I said, stop using the word racist. Because what happens is, see, African-American people really believe that they can't be racist. Kyrie Irving has said this a hundred times. And I'm here to tell you that some of the biggest racists I know are black. Joy Reid, Letitia James, Al Sharpton, black and racist. This idea that a black person can't be a racist is outdated and, quite frankly, stupid and insulting. So every time Eric Adams uses the word racist, he moves closer and closer to being dubbed a racist. He's got to stop doing that. And I told him that yesterday in respect to this Abbott conversation. This is Eric Adams Lewis, cut number two. Adams claims it's racist for Texas to bus migrants to New York. Now, I'm sick of hearing that word racist. And I got to tell you something, Eric. When people start to use that word racist, Every time something doesn't go their way, sometimes they are uh, unfairly labeled racist themselves. This isn't racism. This is about a different color than black. It's called blue. Every one of these cities, whether it's Denver or D.C. or New York or Chicago or Los Angeles, they're Democrat cities. has nothing to do with black people, white people. It's called Democrat policies. So I don't like it when you use that word. I really don't. Because what it does is it dilutes what real racism is, and this is more political than it is black or white. And I know you know that. Well, I think first uh, there needs to be a level of accuracy in what my comments were, because if you look at my comments, and that's why I put out a written statement, I didn't use the term racist. What I did was show the fact. We have 108,000 cities in America, 108,000. Many of them are Democratic cities. But where did Abbott send the migrants? To New York, to Chicago, to Denver, to Los Angeles, to Houston, to Washington. Each one of those cities are run by black mayors, each one of them. So if he could have, he passed over thousands of cities to make his way to uh, cities that are run by black mayors. So when you look at the facts, you have to scratch your head and say we couldn't find any cities en route to make his political statement. 
There you have it. Eric Adams, once again, check it out today. If you buy the New York Post, it's on page two. If you buy the New York Daily News on pages three and four, thank you to the mayor for stopping by yesterday. A big show coming up today. We start with the host of The Other Side of Midnight. Love this guy. Love him. Great host, great friend, Frank Morano. He'll be here at 640. Curtis Sliwa, the second of his three weekly appearances coming up at 7.05 this morning. 7.40, we'll talk to the senator of the great state of Wisconsin, Ron Johnson. 8.25, Nuggets with Noam. 8.40, Congressman Peter King. And also coming up in the 9 o'clock hour, Michael Goodwin and my friend out of Brooklyn, the esteemed politician, the lovely Inna Vernikov. Plus, Dave Ross, Spencer Ross's son, and his family battle with addiction. All that and more, folks, going to be a great Wednesday hump day edition of your favorite talk show in New York City. That's me, Sid Rosenberg, only right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Cranberries linger. A couple of my listeners that follow me on Instagram at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, Facebook as well. I haven't tweeted in almost a year. But they remind me that uh, I've forgotten this, that I've also suspended uh, Greg Kelly indefinitely, going back to Noam's suspension list. You know, I even forget at this point why I suspended people. I, I really am getting like I miss. How would you know he's suspended? He's like he's a non-entity. I know. He's a non-entity. He really is a non-entity. No, he's not but he doesn't man. think he is. And he had Trump last week. And, you know, he's he does a show somewhere at a time when nobody watches TV. I mean, nobody. I mean, the writers are on strike right now. You know, the uh, the Hollywood writers. 
So that means Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel, I guess, and is Conan O'Brien still on or George Lopez? Yeah, well, come on, man. I don't even know who's on anymore. Definitely not George Lopez. Well, Fallon is I don't on. Think Conan is either. Uh, Andy Richter uh, controls the universe, <laughs> I think. Magic Johnson and uh, no, I know <laughs> Fallon is on. Kimmel is on. Yeah. And uh, the uh, unfunny Greg Gutfeld is on, but he's on Fox News, so he has his writers, which are, I guess, him and right. you know, Kat Timpf. Yeah. Who else is there besides uh, Kimmel and Fallon? I think the fat guy is done, the British fat guy. Oh, he's done. Uh, Corden. James Corden. Right. Yeah. He's going to be at the coronation on Saturday. And then you have, like, Colbert. and you have, Oh, Colbert uh, is still there, then, CBS. Yeah. Right. And then you have The Daily Show, who they're, like, still rotating uh, hosts. Well, uh, Yannick Noah, not Yannick, um, uh, 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 Trevor Noah. Right. He gone. He gone. Hmm. People watch these shows? Have no, they got no, a couple no, of million no, people? No, 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 no. Nobody watches. Yeah. Yes, nobody cares. Yeah, nobody watches. Why did I uh, suspend Greg Kelly? What did he do? I forgot. He wouldn't. He he, he did something. Oh, the uh, sales meeting annoyed me. That's right. Well, he then, said we yeah. had a rivalry. And then he wouldn't, no rivalry. He wouldn't come on. And then he wouldn't come on. He wouldn't come on. Oh, he wouldn't come on. He was like, I'm not available. But now I have to lengthen the suspension. And that was the same day Peter King like called from a damn hospital. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Peter <laughs> King is dying and Greg yeah. Kelly... Well, how long was the uh, initial suspension <laughs> for Kelly? Uh, the initial? I no. mean, I don't no, know. the latest one. How long was that? Oh, I mean, we haven't. Was had, it indefinite? We, we haven't had him on the show just in general. Well, he like, doesn't want to come on anyway. Yeah, so. but it, we're what, acting all what, tough. What reason would we invite him on? No, we're not going to invite him way. on. But I, I, right. I feel like I should lengthen the suspension. But if it's already been indefinitely, then how can I even lengthen that? Just lengthen it forever. I Didn't I give a know. lifetime ban like Pete Rose? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I did, right? He's got a lifetime ban. Okay. That's it. I, He's I, out. I saw Greg Kelly at a couple autograph signings. That's true. So yeah. just like with Pete Rose. You never saw him at one autograph signing. No, I not do, one. right. Not one. No, except for a couple of checks. You know, he he's, not, he's a fine guy. I love his father. I love Ray. And his mother's a very sweet lady. Look, he's a, Greg's a smart guy. He's had a very successful career. He's just one of those guys who thinks his duty doesn't stink, and he's not nearly as talented as he thinks he is. And he always thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. And that's only the case when I'm in the room. Then he really is the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it'd be, a, it'd be a fun test to see if he could go, like, like just, like, three or four minutes without mentioning Donald Trump. Right. Or Newsmax. Or Newsmax. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he can, but I don't know. Well, well, I don't know. I see you guys. You cut up the show every morning, and all you do is take your show from the night before on TV. Yeah, and I don't want to talk about it. It's a nightmare. What time are you doing that today? Nah. Soon, right? I wait now. Now I just why wait. Don't you, why don't you make Matt Meany do it now that he's back from um, <laughs> wherever he was? Well, I don't want to overwhelm the guy. This is the first day back. <laughs> overwhelm the guy. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, listen, I don't know why. I, I mean, whatever. I'm getting into the whole logistics. Just stay out of it. Yeah. Let's go to a nicer topic. Frank Morano's about to join us. And then Curtis Sleewell. we got great guest Ryan Johnson today and all kinds of cool folks. And I was so happy to see my dear friend Ian Eagle. Look, when the Knicks are on, you got to get Breen. Kenny Albert does a really good job, too. But I, Ian Eagle, I couldn't find it anywhere. I couldn't find the MSG highlights anywhere. They didn't have them. It wasn't on last right. week. I guess right, because it wasn't on. Right. 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 So there was a hockey game on, I think. Well, maybe that was TNT. Yeah. So the night before, the Rangers were on. And I still had the Ranger channel on. I think it was TNT. Maybe No, it was ESPN. And the Panthers were playing Toronto. Showed up with one nothing. Florida. Did Florida win? You know? Yeah. Yes. Oh, Vinny Viola's up a game. Wow. Yeah, up a game, yeah. So then I, I do I got the uh the remote where you talk into it. I'm like TBS, TNT, MSG. Took me five attempts to find the Nick game last night. Five. Finally found it. And again, it wasn't Mike Breen. 
It was the voice of the Brooklyn Nets, who was on the show just a couple of weeks ago, my dear, dear friend and former WFAN partner, the great Ian Eagle. And he did the Nick game last night, and he was great again. And the Knicks should have blown Miami out because Miami's best player, if you don't know, is a guy named Jimmy Butler. And Butler killed the Knicks in a Heat Road 1 win a couple days ago. But Butler hurt himself again and was not even dressed last night. He was in street clothes on the bench. So you take out Miami's best player and one of the better scorers around the league, and you would think the Knicks would kill him. Plus, the Knicks had Julius Randle back. Their top scorer, over 25 points per game this year. And Randall nearly had a triple-double last night. 25 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists, had a big night. So, Randall comes back, has a big night. Jimmy Butler, Miami's best player, doesn't play. And you're saying, Knicks must have won by 30. Not the case. This was a tough game to watch. In the end, our home Knickerbockers pulled it out. Kept the season alive. Josh Hart, Jalen Brunson, all making big shots inside the fourth quarter. But if you missed it, here's a nice little montage Justin Ellick put together this morning. The great voice of Ian Eagle, courtesy of TBS. The Knicks even up the series at one game apiece. The Knicks are 12 of 32 from long range. Lowry misses from deep. Hartenstein ahead for Grimes. The just pulled a Kevin Love. Brunson matched up with Robinson. Nine to shoot. The back in. The fade. Tiger. For the lead. Oh, yeah! Jalen Brunson from downtown. 12-3. Knicks run here in the fourth. One-point game. Knicks in front. Randall backing in. Off the double team. Jumper Hart. Splash! Three is off, and the Knicks tie the series. There it is, Iron Eagle. Knicks win, beat the Heat 111-105, tie the series at one game apiece. So this second-round playoff series has been reduced to a best of five. Okay, Frank Morano coming up next. Then you get Curtis Sliwa and Ron Johnson next hour, 8 o'clock hour. You get Nome and Peter King, 9 o'clock hour. Ina Vernikoff, Michael Goodwin, Traffic with Joe Nolan also coming up next. But right now it's time for the Tunnel to Towers update. Every Wednesday, my dear friend, the CEO, Frank Siller, he's going to tell us about the latest home dedication at the Foundation's Let Us Do Good Village in Lando Lakes, Florida. So good morning, Frank, and how was that great dedication? Sid, it was so beautiful. Uh, I can't tell you. The family is uh, remarkable. We just welcomed the Army Sergeant First Class Sewer and his beautiful family to their new mortgage-free smart home in the Lettuce Good Village. Uh, Sergeant Sewer was severely injured while on deployment in, uh, in Afghanistan in 2007. He's paralyzed from his chest down. Now, these homes put in all the features that are going to give him back his day-to-day independence. And all these features in the house, Sid, are controlled off a tablet or a cell phone. Well, uh, Sergeant Sewer's dedication was the second house in the village, and it's a special community that we completed, when completed, will include 100 homes for our program recipients, catastrophically injured veterans and first responders, fallen first responder families, and Gold Star families. You know, we are in debt to these heroes and the families who serve alongside them. So we're asking everybody, please go to visit 
T2T.org for more information on the Let Us Do Good Village. And thanks as always, Sid. You got it, Frank. As he said, donate just $11 a month for America's heroes. Do it this morning at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're all the world's best built boilers. And we begin with the huge win at home last night for the Knickerbockers. Beating the Miami Heat 111-105 at the Garden in Game 2 of their second-round playoff matchup to tie the series at one game apiece. Jalen Brunson, he was everything and more for the Knicks in this one, registering a 30-point performance with Big Shot coming after Big Shot. Julius Randle showed out as well with his 25 all RJ Barrett finished right at his heels with his 24, and the Knicks are able to take advantage of the Jimmy Butlerless heat before the series heads to Miami for the next two, starting with Game Three on Saturday afternoon out west. The Lakers beat the Warriors 117 to 112 last night to take a 1-0 series lead in that one. On the diamond, the Mets were postponed again while the Yankees grabbed a big 4-2 bounce-back win over the Cleveland Guardians in the Bronx. Willie Calhoun and Anthony Volpe both went deep for the Bombers, and Garrett Cole continued his stretch of dominance, yielding just two earned runs, all five hits over six innings of work. Uh, Clark Schmidt will get the ball in the finale tonight. Now, hopefully that's not a nightmare as it usually has been this season. As the Yankees try to piece together a series win, they'll be going up against Cleveland's Shane Beaver for a 7.05 p.m. first pitch. As for the Mets, they're hoping to finally get their series with the Tigers underway in Detroit with another doubleheader set to begin at 1.40 p.m. this afternoon. Joey Lucchese is slated to take the hill against Detroit's Joey Wentz in Game 1. And on the ice, the Florida Panthers, as previously mentioned, best the Toronto Maple Leafs 4-2 to take a 1-0 series lead. And the Seattle Kraken took down the Dallas Stars 5-4 to jump ahead 1-0 in that matchup. And, of course, your Devils, they are out in Carolina tonight for game one of their second-round series against the Hurricanes. That's a 7 p.m. puck drop. Here with sports, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you for the world's best-built boilers. And I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. I go out walking after midnight, out in the Got some good news. Dear friend of mine in New York City, former chief of police, Joe Esposito, had surgery on an operable brain tumor yesterday. We've all been very nervous for days. 
I've been contacting people like Rudy Giuliani and Bo Deedle has been back and forth with me and Patricia Domango, the judge, and the Monsignor, so many others praying for Joe Esposito every day, Rudy Giuliani. And it uh, turns out the surgery went well. My good buddy Joe from La Sorrentina, fine Italian restaurant on uh, 129 back in Bell Harbor, Lewis. He was there and uh, visited uh, Esposito. I believe Bo did, too. Bo Deedle had a long day yesterday. He was on with us in the morning, then went to the University of Virginia, which is the number one rated state school in the country, number two business school. I've been there. It's a gorgeous campus. Tiki went there. My dear friend Tiki Barber, middays on the fan. And uh, Bo spoke to the class yesterday, so congratulations on that great honor. So Bo had a successful day at the University of Virginia, and Joe Esposito is okay doing pretty well in recovery after his brain operation. Two pieces of good news. Here's a third piece of good news. He gets huge ratings. He's a great guy and a wonderful talent. The host of The Other Side of Midnight, Frank Morano, back for his weekly visit from me right now. Good morning, Francis. Good morning, Sid. And uh, let me echo everything you said about uh, Joe Esposito. In addition to him being a great guy and someone whose public service I've admired for a long time, I think he probably is the only person in history to serve as either a police chief or a commissioner under Giuliani, Bloomberg, de Blasio, and Eric Adams. I don't know of many people (laughs) that can lay claim to that kind of a resume. Pretty impressive. I know that uh, you and I talked about Adams yesterday morning. And uh, we discussed a few of the things that I actually discussed with the mayor yesterday. And uh, you heard the conversation. I think we pretty much touched on everything New Yorkers wanted to hear. Yes? Oh, no doubt about it. Honestly, uh, I whenever I hear anybody do an interview with a, a leading public official, especially a mayor, a governor, a president, I always think, what would I have asked that that person didn't ask in that same amount of time? And honestly, whether it was policing, whether it was the situation with the migrants, whether it was anything else, I don't know that there was a single issue that you guys didn't touch upon. And I think that's reflected in the news today. I mean, uh, the New York Post, New York Daily News, Politico, uh, everybody is covering this interview yesterday. And I think one of the things that uh, that you've been able to do as an interviewer, not just with Adams, but with, with everybody, is you do ask challenging questions and you ask about challenging subjects, but you ask it in a very non-confrontational, non-aggressive way, and it leads to people actually opening up a bit more and being more newsworthy than if you were to do a sort of uh, adversarial uh, O'Reilly style, nothing against O'Reilly, but O'Reilly style interview where he's basically arguing with someone for uh, for the duration of the interview. So, yeah, I thought it was a terrific interview. I it wasn't crazy about a couple of his responses, but, you know, that you got, that's the way the cookie yeah. crumbles. Well, thank you for saying that, and that has always been my style. I remember one time I had a huge argument with Bernard because he said to Anthony Scaramucci, you're dead to me. And I'm like, Bernie, don't do that. Or you've got blood on your hands. or And when you do that, the, you run the risk of people not coming back. And after this conversation yesterday, I got a text from the mayor right away, and he said, and I quote, that was fun. <laughs> and I'm not sure I would have used the word fun, but if that's how he felt, to your point, that it worked out well. So thank you. But one thing I did not bring up that you would have liked uh, if I did, and that is your buddy out of Staten Island, Jim Otto, has a new job with the mayor. 
Well, yeah, it's true. He's going to be the new commissioner of the Department of Buildings. It was announced a few days ago. Uh, First of all, this is the best pick Eric Adams has made. I I think he's made a couple of bad moves, but he's made a lot of good moves. I think his police commissioner is, is terrific. I think his school's chancellor is terrific. This is by far the best decision of the Adams mayoralty to date. And for people outside of Staten Island who may not know Jimmy Otto, first of all, he's a Republican. He's been an elected official as a city councilman, minority leader, and as a borough president, as a Republican, won, I think, 10 or 11 elections as a Republican. I don't see, uh, I can't imagine Bill de Blasio making one of his most prominent commissioners a Republican. But, you know, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat, so his party affiliation means less to me, but it does speak to Adams's independence in this regard. Otto has, he is a friend of mine, just so everybody knows, but he has an encyclopedic knowledge, not just of city government, but of the ins and outs of the city bureaucracy. He knows how to cut through the city bureaucracy. He knows how to make the bureaucracy work to the benefit of New Yorkers. And as somebody that's lived my entire life in a borough that's used to getting the short end of the stick from city government and being ignored by every mayor except Rudy Giuliani, it's so great to have such a prominent commissioner in city government that actually realizes that Staten Islanders are New Yorkers too, and our needs count for something. But I really can't say enough good things about how hopeful I am about what this will mean for uh, cutting through some red tape. But the fact that the only borough that didn't vote for Adams, he the Adams is still appointing such a prominent Staten Island elected official and statesman, quite frankly, to such a, an important position is, is huge. And uh, you'll appreciate this. Otto is in the gym probably right now. He's a fitness fanatic uh, along the lines of a Sid Rosenberg. So I think he'll bring a different perspective to, uh, to city government in the Adams administration and i'd love to see more picks like this this is a home run he uh, replaces my friend eric ulrich who has gone on now to do something else out of the public circuit so my dear friend joseph tacopino will be back in court this morning uh dealing with eugene carroll this defamation slash rape allegation and i think he'll be in court through thursday looks like he'll probably sum up the case on monday and that'll be it for this one But, of course, Tacopino was in New York not that long ago, a different case, and that was the case that the Manhattan DA, that fat loser, that moron Alvin Bragg, has brought against Donald Trump. Tacopino's getting booed and harassed and yelled at and heckled every morning as he enters court. But going back to uh, to the Bragg case, this is Judge Kaplan, who's involved in this rape defamation allegation, The judge in the other case with uh, Alvin Bragg is not Judge Kaplan. But I'm reading this, and this comes from Frank Morano, and it reads, Honorable Ellen Bybin, Administrative Judge, New York County Supreme Court, criminal term. And it looks like it's a letter to Bybin talking specifically a complaint, if you will, about the judge in that first case with Alvin Bragg, Donald Trump, and Joe Tacopina. You, Frank Morano have filed a complaint, haven't you? 
That's right. Uh, this is officially filed today, and uh, it, Ellen Bybin is the administrative judge that oversees the courtroom where that uh, where that uh, case involving the criminal case with Trump is taking place. I've also filed it with the uh, Commission on Judicial uh, Ethics and uh, the new chief administrative judge for the whole state of New York. And here's the crux of it, Sid, and, and I'm not looking to just score partisan points or anything along those lines. As I said, you know, I'm, uh, I'm really genuinely and independent. I vote for Democrats, independents, and Republicans all the time. But here's the problem is there's two problems, really. One is what Judge Juan Mershon, who's the judge overseeing the Trump case, did is he made three political contributions in 2020, one to Biden himself, uh, one to a group called Stop Republicans, and another to a group called uh, that's a, a, another progressive group with the stated goal of stopping Trump and Republicans. And what even if he's the best judge in the world, and from what I understand, he had a pretty good reputation before this. But even if he had, he's the best judge in the world, the fact that he made a political contribution, however small it was, to the guy, uh, to the opponent of the person whose trial he's now proceeded over, that's going to call into question every decision this guy makes in this forthcoming Is trial. Is that even it, legal? Can he even do that? And that brings me to my next point, right? So I don't. I believe he should have recused himself from the Steve Bannon case and from the case involving Alan Weisselberg because I think these are a lot of appellate issues that could be raised in all three of these cases. But even if Biden didn't run against Trump, Sid, this would be a violation of Section 100.5 of the Code on Ju- of Judicial Conduct. You are strictly prohibited from engaging, even if you're just a judicial candidate, let alone a judge. Any judge in the state of New York is prohibited from engaging in political activity, partisan political activity, like a campaign contribution. So this would be inappropriate, even if Biden had nothing to do with Trump. So (laughs) how can jurors, lawyers or the defendant or anybody else, for that matter, be inspected to follow the judge's instruction on the law if he's not following the instructions that every judge in the state of New York is bound by. I've spoken with a dozen judges, retired and active, over the last month about this to make sure I wasn't misunderstanding it because, you know, I'm not an attorney, but I know the law. And every single one of them said that as a judicial candidate or a judge, they would never make a contribution to no, anyone. So how prevalent is this? That's why I'm asking Judge Vibin to launch an investigation to see what other judges in this courtroom are making political contributions they shouldn't be, <laughs> how this guy needs to be off this case yesterday. This is, a, this, tre- is- this is a tremendous job out of you, Frank Morano. By the way, a lot of those judges, that's your answer. Biden won't tell you. Sid Rosenberg will. A lot of those judges do the same thing this judge did. But congratulations to you. And I mean this very sincerely. Congratulations to you for bringing this to Biden's attention. Most importantly, this large WABC audience's attention. They wouldn't know that. Here you got a judge involved in this case, which has gotten more exposure than any case maybe since O.J. Simpson. And this judge is in the bag for Joe Biden. That is a great job. One more, talking about Biden and Trump, about two minutes to go. Next Wednesday is a big day here on this show, a week from this morning, because Donald Trump will be with me for a full 15 minutes, 8.05, a week from today, next Wednesday morning. But it turns out that the other big story is later on that night, Frank, Donald Trump makes his return to CNN, and I'm not sure 
why he would do that. That's going to piss off his supporters and, quite frankly, his detractors. Yes? Yeah, and that's what I love about it is that uh, I think Trump is doing the right thing. Conservatives are upset with him because they think that that he should be doing what DeSantis is doing and just ignoring the legacy media. And a lot of people are trying that are on the left wing end of the spectrum are leading a a boycott CNN movement. Keith Olbermann has said this. A bunch of Democratic strategists and a bunch of Democratic activists have said this as well because they think this is just going to feed into Trump the way it did in 20. 2016 and give him free publicity. I think he's doing the right thing here because I think as it stands now, Trump is very well positioned to win the nomination. And I think he absolutely needs to win a few crossover voters that voted for uh, Biden in 2020 in states like Arizona, Georgia, Wisconsin, and Nevada. And they're not watching Fox News. They're not watching Newsmax. So if he can make a compelling case on China, on trade, on the war in Ukraine, and on the economy, especially now that we see three banks failing in, in, the, in the span of just a couple of months. Yeah. I think it's a wise move for him politically. And the reality is conservatives can say they're upset about this. I don't see DeSantis or anybody else beating him for the nomination right now. And this is why Frank Morano gets 12s. You just heard it, folks. Great information and a hero here in New York bringing a complaint against this judge. This is fantastic stuff. You know I love your show. You know I love you. I love when you're on with me once a week. Thank you, Frank Morano. Have yourself a great Wednesday. Great job, buddy. Thank you, Sid. It's a pleasure to be on with you. Honored and humbled. I love you too, man. Thank now, my man. There he is, Frank Morano. Check him out, folks. Every weeknight, does the best overnight show in this city by a distance. It is the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Big 7 o'clock hour about to come your way, making his second of three weekly visits. The always very entertaining Curtis Sliwa, who, of course, was that motivation for me to go at Tiffany Caban with the mayor yesterday. Curtis Sliwa, Bill O'Reilly's morning message, and the great senator out of the state of Wisconsin, Ron Johnson. All that coming up next hour alone. Hour number two of Sitting Friends in the Morning, right after Nome with the news. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sitting Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. old today would have been 90 but he'd be dead for a long time now big james brown curtis you've been listening all morning you know that i've given him credit and a lot of credit for um all this exposure my interview with the mayor got yesterday some of it was the racist stuff that was all me but the tiffany caban stuff in all fairness is all about curtis curtis has been out there with kelly klingman in an effort to make sure tiffany caban doesn't win And I was all too happy to bring that up with the mayor yesterday, and he responded in kind, which has gotten this show, page two, today's New York Post, and a full spread on both pages three and four 
in today's New York Daily News. So here he is, big ratings, noon to one every weekday afternoon, and of course, all weekend long, making the second of his three weekday visits, the icon, the legend, Mr. Guardian Angel, Curtis Lewa. Right in front of my trifecta, as you know, uh, Churchill Down, Saturday, then Pimlico, and then the Belmont Stakes. Nice. That's what we should call my three appearances each week. That's what it is. And by the way, Kentucky Derby Saturday, again, at the risk of repetition, my dear friend Vinny Viola, who owns the Florida Panthers, who, of course, knocked out the Boston Bruins and already won a game one on the road in Toronto last night. He owns the Panthers, but he also owns Forte, the 15-horse in Saturday's Kentucky Derby. Won't win. Right now, the favorite. Won't win. Uh, Won't I'm, I'm going to give you my pick on Friday. Two horse. Won't win. 15 spot. Sorry. You know how crowded it is. Remember who won last year? The Hillbilly Horse who yes. came out of nowhere, who was pulling a plow a week before that. Trust me. You do your picks on Friday. I'll do my picks. How about that? So we'll have the three of us, Dick Girardi, who's called every Kentucky Derby, Preakness, and Belmont for the last 40 years. Is that before or after he's drunk his (laughs) mint juleps? He ain't one of those guys, trust me. (laughs) You know those guys at OTB with, like, you know, the bitten-down fingernails and the smoking the cigarettes? That's more like Dick Girardi. people don't realize... OTB was closed here in New York City. Forever? They're not open? Not open. First of all, imagine you're the bookie and you lose money all the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they did. They lost money all the time. And I remember as a kid, my dad never gambled. Like, my dad never did drugs. I did. Never gambled. I did. But he uh, he would always bet the big races, Kentucky Derby, Preakness. So there was an OTB on King's Highway. Right by, like, Ocean Avenue. Oh, I know exactly where that was. Cigarette butts all over the all place. All over the place. Every guy had flannel shirt, no right. teeth, uh, horrible hair. Broken number two pencils. <laughs> right. They had the racing form. <laughs> yeah. You know, they all stand there. Yeah. Hey, hey, I got a hint. Hey, I got sh- backstretch today <laughs> at Aqueduct. Oh, you got to bet this horse on the number seven. Race. And those are the same guys that would be in OTB all day, but betting baseball and football. Sure, they sure. have their local bookmakers on Avenue P on Quentin Road. And I remember being scared to death. My father, as a little boy, these people were like something out of Star Wars, out of Beetlejuice. And then those people became my friends. Exactly. <laughs> and then you needed a hazmat suit going into the OTB oh. office from all the... I mean, stale smoke. Oh, I mean, whether it was cigars, cigarettes, tipperellos, but those were the old days. But they still have OTB out in Long Island. People don't realize that. Here in the city, under Dinkins, remember he put Hazel Dukes in charge of OTB. I do remember that. Uh, it was Rudy who put Ali Sherman in charge of OTB when the he was mayor. former Giant head coach? That's right. He went to Brooklyn College. He was the quarterback at Brooklyn College. I said, what do you mean quarterback at Brooklyn College? They had a football team at that time. And remember, it the Giants. Went, it only went away about 20 years ago. The Giants went with Ali Sherman. They said to Vince Lombardi, sorry, you're not going to be coach. He went off to Green Bay. Tom Landry, sorry, you're not going to be coach. He went off to Dallas. And we ended up. Ali Sherman. Ali Sherman. It is amazing that you just pointed out, and you're a very, very smart sports guy, too, that, yes, there was a time when the Giants' offensive coordinator was Vince Lombardi and the defensive coordinator was Tom Landry. Doesn't get any better than that. Uh, I mean, not even close. By the way, uh, can I offer up a suspension here? I know sure. you suspended Arthur Idella. I concur with that, <laughs> except for a different reason. The other day, uh, I guess he must be on the payroll of uh, Eric Adams, who he loves, just like he loved de Blasio. Oh, it's so much better down in the subway. You see this guy yoking out this emotionally disturbed person? He had to kill him on the train. Uh, my wife got mad at me yesterday, Danielle. She may be listening right now, the beautiful Danielle, because I called that guy a hero. 
And I was kind of saying it tongue-in-cheek, but not really. That's basically what you've done your whole life for 40 years. Exactly. Now, notice, he put a chokehold on this guy to stop him, and he had to do it. in order. If a cop were to do that, he would lose his job. It's illegal, right. Now, how nuts is that? I've had that argument with Joe Tacopina. I go, Joe, I don't care what cops do. Use a chokehold. Use a bat. Beat these people into submission until they listen to you and or stop. Well, He's like, no, no, they have rights, too. Oh, give me a break. It's the first time we're seeing the video. Beware. The guy who choked out the black guy is a white guy. At least he I looks know. like a white guy. Right. Notice nobody has figured that out until they see the video. Yeah. Watch. Somebody out there is going to say, racist. Might even be AOC all out crazy. Tiffany Caban. Al Sharpton. Al Slim Shady Sharpton, of course. By the way, he was the opening act for James Brown, Godfather of Soul, Soul Brother Number 1. <laughs> Boy Preacher from Brownsville. Notice his hair exactly like James Brown. That was his role model. I'm still wondering, where is the body of James Brown? They had it buried in his daughter's front yard in South Carolina. Somebody came and exhuming the body. The body is gone. I want to know, where is the body of James Brown, Godfather of Soul, Soul Brother Number 1? They can't find it? I Last time I heard, yeah. that body was missing from the wow. front uh, grassy knoll area. In South Carolina. In South Carolina. Unbelievable. Where yeah. You think he's alive with Tupac Shakur, <laughs> Jim know. Morrison, <laughs> Elvis Presley? Yeah. He's alive. <laughs> he's alive. Biggie Smalls was there, too. I don't know about that. But well, anyway, so... I think Greg Kelly thinks that Jeffrey Epstein is still alive. Oh, yeah. No, no. He's been going off. I met, met with the CIA director. I mean, what does that tell you right there, right? Was it Mossad? Was it our CIA? Or was it the Queen of England who had him whacked, if you believe he was whacked? But I'm telling you why you got to suspend uh, Frank Moran. Here it is. I hear, oh, Sewell, the police commissioner, doing a great job. Yeah. I, been, I like her, too. There's been a crime rise on Staten Island they've never had before. Yeah. 17% increase, Mid-Island, North Shore. What the hell is he talking about? Right? Well, I know you contend that, uh, is it Phil Banks who does all the police work? Who's oh, the yeah. guy? The uh, deputy mayor of public safety. He calls his shots. And his brother. And then he gives a shout-out to his brother, Department of Education, the acronym, dumbest organization ever. <laughs> and Frank, oh, he's doing an outstanding job. Or, or dead, then, uh, or dead uh, no, that would be dead. That's DOA. I'm sorry. And then, yeah. and then Jimmy Otto for the buildings commissioner, which under any mayor is the most corrupt agency in the city where they get scattled sandwiches, lettuce sandwiches. What does Jimmy Otto know? He doesn't even know how to hold a hammer and a bag of nails, right? And who does he replace, Eric Olrich, your friend, who owed the Bonanno family his life? He was such a degenerate camera. What the hell is Frank Morano talking about? I want you to suspend Frank Morano for spreading misinformation. Well, I have to go to my uh, committee of folks. I don't make these uh, choices. Uh, it's not unilateral. I sit down with Noam and Lewis, but I will certainly uh, put it under consideration. It's likely not going to happen because I love Frank, and he's a great guy and a great guest and a great radio host. But, but. I have to be fair. If you bring it up, it will I want, be I want you to do that as a favor. Okay. Me, right? a we favor will and by the way, yeah. <laughs> with the great interview you did in Boxing in Eric Adams yesterday on the illegal aliens, they're not migrants, they're illegal aliens. He's talking about the black cities. Excuse me, Philadelphia was a place where thousands of illegal aliens were sent. Remember, Philly? Last time I looked, that mayor was as white as you or I, Jim Kenny. Right, Jim Kenny's white. And again, at the risk of repetition, if Bill de Blasio, white, was still the mayor, I think Abbott would be doing the same thing. Absolutely. So this is nonsense. By the way, there's an election coming up May 16th in Philly. Nobody's paying attention. Another socialist may win that.
an Asian woman named, named Helen Jim. AOC, all how crazy has been there for her. What is she running for? Mayor of, oh, Philadelphia. mayor of Philadelphia. They may have a socialist mayor. So that means socialist mayor in Chicago, socialist mayor in Philadelphia. Where are all the moderate Democrats going into Philadelphia and encouraging the vote for a moderate Democrat? That city is in a crime abyss. So the next time they talk about illegal aliens, uh, they conveniently live out, uh, leave out Philadelphia. Again, the mayor as white as you or I. Well, there you have it, folks. And, of course, uh, the second part of the Eric Adams conversation, which really got more press than the migrant stuff, the illegal alien stuff, was the Tiffany Caban stuff, which I give you all the credit for. No, You've no, been no, all over this. No, no, no. Uh, you know, I have a whole team, a whole election team. In fact, on Monday morning, I'm going to introduce, I'm going to give you the names of the Sliwa Seven that I'm backing for city council. I'm throwing everything into their effort to kick out the Democratic Socialists of America who are really socialists. Does this include uh, the race against Justin Brannon in Brooklyn? It, wait, surprise, surprise. Uh, exclusive to you, Sid Rosenberg. I You're can't the first wait. one to get it. I can't wait. Uh, so it includes that race. It includes that it, race. It includes, it, it's called the Sliwa Seven. The right? Sliwa Seven. And he, I'm putting everything. And number one is Kelly Klingman. Well, we know about this. You've been out there uh, for Kelly Klingman. She's going up against Tiffany Caban, who may be the worst person God has ever created. Certainly an animal and a lowlife. And the least, the least person uh, deserved of any political position. And uh, you've been out there for Kelly Klingman going against this lady, so kudos to you. Well, anyway, it wasn't me doing the heavy lifting. We have an assistant, James Perone, who was out there, who found this flyer that the socialists were giving out outside of the schools to all the parents, encouraging the children, because this was made for children. It's like giving a children's book. Might as well have Drag Queen Hour, right, while they give out this pamphlet. Don't respect the police. Don't ever become a, a police officer. They're racist. They're insensitive. In fact, uh, run away from the police. Don't run to the police if you have a problem. Don't call 911. All of this nonsense. Now, you want to give this out to adults. I get it. Adults can make up their own mind. But children? I mean, children in first, second, third grade, and then Terrible. Gi- and giving it out at taxpayers' expense. So James Barone found it. Uh, then we published it, and obviously Kelly Klingman went on the attack because I'm on the attack against every socialist. It was great to see Eric Adams come on board. This is the one time, see, we have to put aside all our differences. We must beat the socialists in New York City in this upcoming city council races, and we must next year beat the AOC all-out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. They have taken over our city. They're ready to take over Brooklyn. You better wake up, Arthur Idala and Frank Carone and all those who have run the Kings County corrupt Democratic machine, because if they have another vote, a floor vote, the socialists will take them over. So, hey, put aside our differences. We have to come together because the socialists have taken over Chicago. They're going to take over Philadelphia. They're taking over Queens. They're taking over Brooklyn, the Bronx. And right now, I'm starting Ronald Reagan Republican clubs to get candidates to run directly against them. I don't care if they're Republicans, moderate Democrats, independents. We have one enemy, and the enemy is those people who would promote socialism and communism over capitalism and democracy. And on May Day, you should have seen them strut their stuff. 
through the Washington Square Arch there. Socialism on a day when Cuba didn't even have enough gasoline to get all their citizens to have Savannah to have a celebration for May Day. Yeah, we want so we want to be like Nicaragua, not. We want to be like Venezuela, not. We want to be like Cuba, not. So join me in solidarity, moderate Democrats, independents, Republicans. Just go online to Twitter at Curtis Lee. Message me, and I'll open up a Ronald Reagan Republican Club in your neighborhood, and we will take it to the socialists. Eric Adams, I'm in solidarity with you. Sid Rosenberg, John Katsimatidis, we must crush the socialists. Sid and friends in the morning. What you say? He's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. So we celebrated the birthday today already of Christopher Cross and the late, great James Brown. This one, Frankie Valley, song Grease. So many great Frankie Valley hits. Frankie, great in Sopranos, too. So happy birthday to Frankie Valley. Been a great show already. Frank Morano and Curtis Slee were both terrific. The senator out of the great state of Wisconsin, Ron Johnson, set to join me next. You know, Bill O'Reilly there was talking about Ron Klain, that clown, who did actually go out of his way to ensure the American public that the vice president, Kamala Harris, is doing a good job. And uh, she's not. She's the worst vice president ever. And she really only got that job because way back when, early in her life, before her political career really took off, she had sex with the mayor of San Francisco. Bottom line, Barack Obama is on tape. We played it a hundred times. Telling the American people that Kamala Harris is the best looking justice in the country. I'm sure Michelle was thrilled about that. So sexuality between the mayor of San Francisco and Obama played a major part in Harris's Political elevation, that's not me being sexist. That's a fact. Now, the fact that she's black and she sucks at her job is just coincidence. A lot of white people suck at their jobs, too. Joe Biden is white. 
He sucks. The list goes on and on from Nancy Pelosi to Adam Schiff to Anthony Blinken to Bill de Blasio. White people, they suck too. By the way, you know, I'm not, I I, I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. (laughs) I beg to differ. So Klain is telling us, you know, if you don't like Kamala, you're a racist. And that goes back to the conversation I had with the mayor yesterday. In fact, we're going to play this. I flat out told the mayor, when you're talking about the migrant situation and the Governor Abbott from Texas, stop using the word racist. Black people think they can use that word whenever they want because they believe, African Americans, that they can't be racist because they have been the subject of slavery and racism for so long. That's ridiculous. Some of the biggest racists I know, Joy Reid, Al Sharpton, they're black. Don Lemon, yes, black people can be racist. LeBron James, and in lots of cases, they are. So let me go back to the conversation I had yesterday with the Mayor Lewis. This is cut number two, and then I'll read from you, for you, I should say, a little part of the Daily News column today on page three, talking about my conversation with the mayor. First, me and Adams, cut number two. Adams claims it's racist for Texas to bus migrants to New York. Now, I'm sick of hearing that word racist. And I got to tell you something, Eric. When people start to use that word racist every time something doesn't go their way, sometimes they are uh, unfairly labeled racist themselves. This isn't racism. This is about a different color than black. It's called blue. Every one of these cities, whether it's Denver or D.C. or New York or Chicago or Los Angeles, they're Democrat cities. has nothing to do with black people, white people. It's called Democrat policies. So I don't like it when you use that word. I really don't because what it does is it dilutes what real racism is, and this is more political than it is black or white, and I know you know that. Well, I think first uh, there needs to be a level of accuracy in what my comments were, because uh, if you look at my comments, and that's why I put out a written statement, I didn't use the term racist. What I did was show the facts. We have 108,000 cities in America, 108,000. Many of them are Democratic cities. But where did Abbott send the migrants? To New York, to Chicago? to Denver, to Los Angeles, to Houston, to Washington. Each one of those cities are run by black mayors, each one of them. So if he could have, he passed over thousands of cities to make his way to uh, cities that are run by black mayors. So when you look at the fact, you have to scratch your head and say, we couldn't find any cities en route to make his political statement. So when you go to today's New York Daily News, again, there's a two-page spread, pages three and four, on this interview written by Michael Gortland, don't know him, and this jerk-off Chris Sommerfeld, who I do know. So they state in the column every word that me and Eric said to each other there. But here comes the next paragraph, Lewis. They go, Adam's response came after Rosenberg, get ready now, a white conservative radio personality who supports former President Donald Trump, they have to put that in there, went on a screed about how he's sick and tired of hearing the word racist and appeared to lecture the mayor, who's black, 
on the topic. So they have to find a way to include, first of all, I'm not conservative. I've said this to Summerfeld a hundred times. If I was conservative, Chris, jackass face, how would I be pro-choice, which I am, without any apology? How would I be pro-gay? So how am I a conservative? I'm not, okay? But that's fine. I do support Donald Trump. Zero apologies. And if I was lecturing the mayor, tough. I don't care. Maybe I was. Maybe it's time for black people, and Eric is a friend of mine. I love Eric. Maybe it's time for black people and whites. Ron Klain's white. But specifically black people to stop thinking they can use the word racist because they're protected. Because, again, they don't think it's possible for a black person to be racist. And I'm here to tell you that nothing could be further from the truth. That's ridiculous. Write that, Chris. Write that, Jack Bass. Sid Rosenberg, white conservative Donald Trump supporter, says black people can be racist. Write that, bitch. Entertaining and informative. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Right now I'm just going to focus on this season. And uh, I'm excited about being here. I expect to be here uh, for the duration of the offseason. And I'm excited to get, to get to know my new teammates. Great GOP Senator Ron Johnson has no idea that the audio cut you just played and this song both pertain to him. He has no idea why. We'll tell him why right now. Let's bring him on. Here he is, one of our great senators from the state of Wisconsin, Ron Johnson. The song Somebody's Baby by Jackson Brown was playing in the background during a very famous scene, Ron, in the movie Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And the characters in the scene, his name was Ron Johnson. And the audio cut you heard before that was Aaron Rodgers saying he was very excited to be a New York Jet. So the question is, Ron, outside of Bart Starr, who retired a great Green Bay Packer, Brett Favre went to Minnesota, Aaron Rodgers came to New York. Why can't you Wisconsin people hold on to your great quarterbacks? Well, I think we do for decades yeah. and we win Super Bowls with him. We enjoy watching him and we wish him well. Ah, so you're saying when they're washed up they move on. <laughs> I didn't say that at all. Those said you're putting words in my mouth like <laughs> like a, a leftist journalist. What are you doing? <laughs> like Mayorkas. Well I have to uh, congratulate you, Ron, because you're doing really unbelievable work. And I think a lot of folks don't even know about this. But this uh, Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, is a liar. But not just a liar but what he's done, you know, we, we hear Donald Trump joke around about Hillary Clinton. She belongs in jail. Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, really does belong in jail. Maybe four or five years. 
So, Ron, for folks that don't know, you tell them. Why would that be the case? Well, he lied to Congress. Uh, we know now, because of testimony given to the House committees, uh, Mike Morrell basically said that it was Anthony Blinken that uh, uh, set up the whole fraudulent letter from 51 former intelligence officials that uh, said that the Hunter Biden laptop had all the earmarks of a Russian information campaign. Uh, they knew it was authentic. I, I really, you know, the FBI had the laptop in December 2019. Uh, Anthony Blinken, you know, we, we had during our investigation, Senator Grassley and I, when we were investigating the Bidens during the, the 2020, um, we, we did interview about 10 or 11 State Department officials. Uh, we had scheduled to interview Anthony Blinken, but he canceled the interview. Uh, then he, you know, they won the election because of his fraud. Uh, then he wanted to be Secretary of State, so he kind of figured he better come in for that interview because at that point in time, I was on Senate Foreign Relations, and I would be asking him questions he probably didn't want to answer uh, in his confirmation hearing. So he sat for an interview, and in that interview, he lied to us. Uh, he misled us. Uh, he was not forthright, but this specifically, you know, my, my investigators asked him uh, to what extent he was communicating with uh, Hunter Biden. I mean, did you talk to him on the phone? He couldn't really recall that. And they said, well, how about other communications? Did you ever email or text him? And he outright said no. Well, let me ask you a question. Do, do, have... do you still have he outright said no? Now, you had the emails, so you knew he was lying. At that point, he perjured himself. Do you guys, Ron and, and uh, Grassi and the rest of you guys, do you still have those emails? Well, the emails were, came from Hunter Blind's laptop, you know, right. the very same laptop that he engineered the fraudulent letter on. Right. You know, we have the we have the transcribed interview. It's in black and white. He lied point blank, but 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 it's actually worse than that, Sid, because you know he said he never texted or emailed Hunter Biden. We got the emails. He did, but his wife was also working the State Department. Now she works in the White House, but she was working the State Department back then under the Obama administration. She was basically the conduit between Hunter Biden and Anthony Blinken, and she was using her personal email account, trying to arrange, for example, a phone call between Anthony Blinken and Burisma. That's that corrupt Ukrainian oil company that Hunter Biden sat on the board on, a, a phone call between their U.S. lobbying firm, a Democrat lobbying firm called Blue Star Strategies, and Anthony Blinken. So, again, it's, people have to understand how painstaking these investigations are. The people that do wrong, they don't try and leave evidence. They know what they did wrong. They hide evidence. They, they don't use their official accounts as they're supposed to. They use their personal accounts, and they never expect to get caught. And quite honestly, the Bidens, uh, they rely on the fact that they've got co-conspirators inside the media, inside these agencies. They're going to look the other way, that they're going to cover up for them. No. That's what's been happening but we're slowly but surely peeling back the layers of the onion. Yeah, I mean, it's been a couple of years. On the Hunter side, you've got my dear friend Miranda Devine here, Ron Johnson in New York, New York Post, and she uncovered a whole bunch of this stuff initially. Then you had Tony Bobulinski there with the recently fired Tucker Carlson. Now you've got McCormick. He's another whistleblower who said he knows for a fact that Joe spoke to Hunter, knew he was on the board of Burisma early on when Joe said he didn't know. And now you've got the same stuff here with Anthony Blinken, so it's a very simple question. For the layman out there that doesn't watch you on Meet the Press on Sunday, uh, when will there be any indictments? When will people like Hunter Biden, Anthony Blinken, when will these people suffer, Ron Johnson, some repercussions? Well, unfortunately, we have that dual system of justice in this country. You've got, uh, you know, uh, justice for 
conservatives and the rest of us. And then you have uh, the non-justice for people well connected in the Democrat circles like Hunter Biden. So you've got Merrick Garland and we've got a whistleblower from from the IRS, uh, you know, saying that their their investigation on his tax fraud is not on the up and up. Uh, it's very difficult. But accountability starts with exposure. These folks are being exposed as the liars they are, as the corrupt individuals that they are. And, yeah, is, is Merrick Garland, who I think is probably one of the co-conspirators, is he going to prosecute Hunter Biden? You know, so the, the real accountability is in elections. Uh, but part of our problem, this is a big problem, Sid, is you have the mainstream media. They are complicit. They are compliant. They are corrupt. They are covering. They're not journalists anymore. They're advocates for the left, for the radical left. And so it's not a fair fight. It's not a level playing field. We, the people, have to rise up. We have to get educated. And we got to vote these corrupt individuals out of office. You're right. That's uh, pretty much the only way to do it. Ron Johnson out of the state of Wisconsin, the great senator, joining me this morning. So you've got Blinken caught uh, red-handed in a lie here. And then the other guy that lies every day, every day, is Mayorkas telling us that the border is closed, telling us that Title 42 didn't do very much, Title 8 is really going to be the difference maker, telling us that, you know, it's not as bad as you guys think it is. Mayorkas, he's another guy that should really go to jail yesterday. I know you've also been going after him quite a bit. What's the latest with that? Well, he certainly ought to be impeached. But, again, I I hate being a broken record here, but it's because the corrupt media that's not covering the border. I mean, can you imagine if the border was open and you had literally five, six million people into this country now because of that open border under a Republican administration? I mean, you'd be seeing these pictures every day, every minute, every hour on the mainstream media, but they're not covering. You know, it's, it's just conservative news outlets that are covering the crisis on the border, this this disaster on the border and it's going to be an even larger disaster come may 11th when title 42 goes away and there's no ability to deport these people they're already massing at the border to come across because of joe biden's open border policy so yeah i mean there's no doubt about it this the the responsibility resides with biden and mayorkas but equally as culpable as the mainstream media that's not beaming this into the homes of every american so that there's a level of outrage that would force even a corrupt administration like the Biden administration to finally secure the border and follow our laws, faithfully execute the laws. That's not what this president's doing. No, not at all. So now you've got uh, all these issues in and around the presidency, the people that work directly with them, Ron. And then I saw you talking about Chuck Todd and meet the press because I've been friends with Chuck for many, many years, but he's losing me. I mean, what he did with Vivek on Sunday, trying to really convince Vivek that there's a third gender. It's not just boys and girls that he's missing the point. There's a third gender. But I saw you sitting with him about five or six weeks ago. And I got to give you credit, Ron. You showed amazing restraint and patience because he had a guest on before you that was a Democrat and a liar, mind you. And he gave that guy all the rope he could have to hang himself, never stopped him. Then you come on, you're making some salient points, and he wouldn't let you talk. He was beating the living daylights out of you, and you really, one part you got a little frustrated, but for the most part, you maintain your patience. How do you do that? How do you go on these shows with these liberal moderators and, and hosts when clearly they're out to get you? Well, first of all, that wasn't my first rodeo with uh, old Chuck Todd. Um, <laughs> you, you, you realize what you're up against. I told him on the, in that particular appearance, I said, Chuck, you're not inviting me on to interview me. 
you're inviting me on to argue with me. I mean, you are an advocate for the, for the radical left. And so you realize when you're going on these shows, you're not being interviewed by a journalist. You're being argued with by a radical leftist. And so, but you go on because you, it's, it's our only venue, our only avenue for us being able to communicate to the greater audience because the mainstream media just doesn't show the conservative point of view very often. So you still go on there, you expose yourself to that and to that abuse to hopefully uh, reach some people and get them to open up their eyes to what's happening in this country. I mean, this country is going down the tubes. Mm. I, I try and re- remind people, Venezuelans voted themselves into poverty over the course of a couple decades. It, it, was, it was the one vote for Hugo Chavez, and that country got destroyed. And it's on that path of destruction. And the vote for Obama first and now for Biden has put America on a on a path of destruction. We've, we've got to get off it, but we'll on, the only way we get off it is if enough Americans have their eyes open to what is happening to us collectively. Have you been public, Ron Johnson, in your support of either Ron DeSantis or former President Donald Trump or any Republican for that matter? No, I, I don't endorse. I just don't endorse people. I let the, I let the Republican primary voters uh, choose our nominees, and then I get behind those nominees. I just think that's the, the best way, particularly for something in Wisconsin, where we're such an equally divided state in primaries as well as uh, you know in, in the general elections as well. I, I want to be a you know a non you know a nonpartisan in, in these contests so that I can fully support the final nominee. Last one: Ukraine Russia is a um, it becomes pretty contentious on this show. I'm on record many times saying that I believe we're doing too much. Uh, and I've got friends, Republicans, big-time guys, I mean legends, that yell at me, well, people like you, that's why Hitler and, and uh, World War II and Putin is on his way to becoming that, and I just don't see that. But listen, what is your stance on Ukraine-Russia? How far do we go? Do we take it to the end like Joe Biden wants us to do? Or at some point do we say, hey, you've been fighting for a long time, go fight, we have our own problems here. Well, first of all, I think there's – had Trump been reelected, Putin never would have invaded. I think Biden, had he shown publicly the type of defensive weaponry we were providing and provided a lot more, we might have deterred Putin. But but once the shooting start, started, there, there might have been a point in time with Western support that, that you know, Putin might have seen the light of day and said this isn't going to work and, and might have withdrawn. But that didn't happen. And, and we, so now we are here over a year later. And I, I don't envision that the situation for anybody is going to get better. It just gets worse and worse mm. and worse. Our European partners certainly not, aren't stepping up the plate. So from this has to end. And I think this is the moment where, where we need to try and end this for everybody's sake. How do you end um, it? What do you do? Well, you've got, to have, you, you've got to have that mindset. That you've got to try and bring this to an end. Um, you know, this 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 can't go on forever. Uh, it just can't. It's going to just. It's not a fair fight. You know, Putin can keep lobbing missiles and destroying infrastructure, killing civilians. We can't do that. Ukrainians can't do that. You can't lob missiles into Russia. They've got nuclear weapons. Yeah. Okay. So it's not a fair fight. You have to you have to recognize the reality the situation. It's a terrible reality. I think Americans do support the Ukrainian people, but. Uh, th- this has got to come to an end in some way, shape, or form. 
One more, the topic of abortion, Ron. I think you would agree when you look back to Election Day 2022, one of the reasons why it was not a great day for us, and it wasn't. We lost every major gubernatorial election. We barely held on to the House. We did not uh, get the Senate back. It was not a very good day. And when you talk to people, bipartisan, they'll tell you that the Republican stance on abortion, especially guys like Mike Pence and recently Ron DeSantis, that is not helping the Republican Party. Now, I'm a Republican, just so you know, Ron, but I'm pro-choice. I am not pro-life. Do you believe that the Republicans need to do a better job with the abortion issue if, in fact, they want changes in 2024? Well, Sid, what I propose during my campaign, I'm actually going to hold a, a event to this extent where we have a, a one-time single-issue referendum in Wisconsin to decide the question that needs to be decided. At what point does society have the responsibility to protect life within the womb? Now, I designed a referendum ballot, got 10 choices, at conception, one month, two months, all the way down to nine months. And I'm, I'm going to hold a public event, hopefully in all eight districts in Wisconsin, where we're going to have a pro-choice presenter, a pro-life presenter. We're going to lay out the case because you need a good education campaign before you have that referendum. And then we're going to have a mock vote. And we're going to see where, where, where we would end up with in terms of protecting life. So that, that obviously recognizes a, a woman has a right up to a point, And then that life within her also has a right to life after that point. And that's, that Great. is the profound moral issue yep. that we, the people, need to decide. I don't want nine members of, of the Supreme Court, 535 members of Congress, or even 132 members of Wisconsin legislators decide that for we, the people, we should do that through a well-thought-out, and very well educated prior to that referendum. Uh, that's how we should do this. Agreed 100%. Ron, you're a terrific guest. You're a great senator. You really are. And keep up the good fight against people like Anthony Blinken, the lying Secretary of State, Mayorkas, lying to us about the border every day. And keep winning and keep talking, Ron Johnson. You're, you're a great American. Thank you so much. Thanks, Fabian. Take care. You got it, pal. Ron Johnson, Senator, Wisconsin. I got to tell you, Madison is one of the great college towns in America. University of Wisconsin, the Badgers. You got the Milwaukee Brewers, Green Bay Packers, right? Laverne and Shirley. You got it all, folks. That wraps up two hours. We are not nearly done. Some huge guests still to come on this hump day edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Now to the breaking news out of Texas, the four-day manhunt coming to an end for a fugitive. He's accused of gunning down five of his neighbors execution style, killing them with an AR-15 after they asked him to stop firing the weapon outside in the yard. The search for the shooter involved more than 200 officers and continued around the clock for days. And in the end, he was just miles away, hiding under a pile of laundry. Well, a civil rape trial against former President Trump enters its fifth day with a longtime friend of his accuser among those taking the stand. Right, Lisa Bernbach testifying that Eugene Carroll called her just a few minutes after the alleged assault, hyperventilating and breathless, but would not acknowledge it as a rape and would not go to the police. And Trump has continued to deny that this encounter even happened. Minority leader Hakeem Jeffries sent a letter to his colleagues explaining the discharge petition. That's how it's known. It can be used to force a floor vote. 
but it would require 218 votes. That's every Democrat and five Republicans. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says the U.S. could default on its debt as soon as June 1st without congressional action soon. At the request of the Department of Homeland Security, Secretary Austin approved a temporary Department of Defense increase of an additional 1,500 military personnel to supplement U.S. Customs and Border Protection efforts on the U.S. southwest border. Rebounded by Grimes for the lead. Oh, yeah! Kaelin Brunson from downtown. 12-3, Knicks run here in the fourth. Robinson's three is off, and the Knicks tie the series. I'm sick and tired of people like Tiffany Caban, people in our own city council in New York, bad-mouthing police to the point that they do. I agree 100%. You're 100% correct. Happy birthday to Christopher Cross once again on your Wednesday morning. Tributes already this morning. Birthday tributes to the late, great James Brown, Frankie Valley, and for the second time this morning, Christopher Cross. A little news piece you just heard. We usually play it just once a show at the very top of every show at about 6.07. Justin Ellick does a great job of putting that together. But there are so many stories in there from... Us deploying 1,500 troops. I mean, right then and there, you know that Mayorkas and Biden and Harris are lying. They're telling you that the border is closed. They're telling you it's not a major issue. And they're telling you that Title 42 doesn't really work yet. Yet, why are they sending 1,500 troops if all that is true? And the answer is because it's not true. They're lying, and that's why I just saw a live picture on crappy CNN of El Paso, Texas. This is an American city. The streets are lined with people sleeping in broad daylight on the streets in Texas. Illegals. Stop with the migrants. Illegals. And it's going to get worse. 
once Title 42 comes to an end next week. You combine that with my friend Joe Takapina, takes a beating every morning, walks into court, you know, and he cross-examines this E. Jean Carroll, who's lying. Even the friend said she never said to her moments after she got raped. Now, if you just got raped, wouldn't you say, oh, my God, he raped me. She never said it. She was out of breath. Well, sometimes you're out of breath after exercising. Just saying. So Takapina walked into court yesterday, and he was greeted by this, Lewis. This is a cut number 11 crazy people protesting my dear friend Joe Takapina. Shame on you. So it looks like Takapina will sum it all up on Monday. We'll see. And he'll join us right after he's done with his summation. But how about those folks, Lewis? He needs a jersey. Forget about the other Ranger jerseys he wears. He has to have say it on the back saying, protecting rapists. <laughs> and you can see exactly what those women look like, too, yeah. like in your head. You know exactly oh, I know exactly. Like. White hair, unkempt. Oh, my God. Oh, you, they don't look like supermodels? No, they don't, Lewis. Oh, okay. You can That's see weird. a bunch of them right now walking on 96th and Broadway. I can promise yeah. you that. Because no. <laughs> they're the ones paying attention to the exactly media. Exactly right. And they know who Jack Capena is. Is. Well, that, uh, <laughs> that that trial continues to move on. There are a few more stories in that open. You heard the voice of my dear friend Ian Eagle, who usually is the voice of the Brooklyn Nets. But, of course, the Nets got swept in the first round of the NBA playoffs by the Philadelphia 76ers. Ian also works for CBS and TBS and TNT and all these major outlets. So he did game two of that Nick Heat series at the Garden last night. And the Knicks... Got a big win, beating Miami 111-105 to force that seven-game series now to a best of five. That series is now tied at one game apiece. And then you heard me and the mayor, Eric Adams, talking about Tiffany Caban. Once again, Curtis Sliwa and his uh, Sliwa team of seven bringing this story to everybody's attention that Tiffany Caban, this lowlife, actually money for counsel, put pamphlets on the streets for little kids, little kids, that said things like, yes, some police are nice, but not all of them. In fact, a lot of them go out and kill brown and black people for doing the same exact things that white people do every day. Now, why would anybody, anybody with a soul, any decent person, Vote for that animal. And you do. New Yorkers do. I, I mean, I, I love this city. I love this state. I came back. I'm the only putz near the age of 50 that came back to New York. They're running out of here like this place is on fire. They can't wait to get the Boca and Boynton and Fort Water. I came back. And I'm happy I'm back. I love this city. I love it. But the people, disgusting. You people deserve everything you get. All of it. All the crime. All the filth. You vote in people like Alvin Bragg. You voted him in. You did. You voted in in this gubernatorial race, Kathy Hochul. You did it. These city council members, you vote them in. You did it. And you're going to do it again. And you do it time and time again. So the, it's hard for me to be sympathetic 
to those people. The problem is sane people like me, we got to deal with this crap. And that pisses me off. So one day after President Joe Biden lied to all of us, it was so bad that for the first, oh, I don't know, 45 seconds of my conversation with the great Larry Kudlow yesterday, all he did was laugh. He just laughed. And that was after I played a cut where Joe Biden said, this is unreal, that his administration is responsible for shaving $1.7 trillion. First he said billion, then it got worse. He made the lie even worse. He said trillion from the deficit. His administration shaved nearly $2 trillion from the deficit. Now, the truth is, they've added $2 trillion. So he's only about $4 trillion off. But this lying bastard who you guys voted in, congratulations, because you hate Trump so much, why I don't know, but you do. This guy just lied about that. So yesterday, they lied again. The whole crew of them, Biden, Harris, Mayorkas, but this time, this moron Corrine Jean-Pierre, the president's mouthpiece, she delivered the lie when she said, well, you got to play this, because this one as equally as hard to believe as shaving nearly $2 trillion from the deficit. This is a real big one. This is Corrine Jean-Pierre Lewis, cut number three. He has tools that he's used to, to make sure that we do this. We actually deal with the immigration system in a humane way uh, and in a, in a way that is uh, uh, that actually deals with what we're seeing at the border. And that's why you've seen the parolee program be so successful. Uh, it has, it has, um, it has uh, uh, when it comes to illegal migration, you've seen it come down uh, by more than 90%. And that's because Stop it right there. Stop it right there. She actually just said illegal immigration has come down by more than 90%. 90%. I mean, does she think? That we're that st- I mean, we are. I mean, I've got family members and friends to vote for these people. Do they think we're that stupid? It's come down 90%? Where? Where? We're overrun. Every mayor, every governor spends their days and nights bitching about what's going on here. Where has it come down 90%? And to my statement earlier, if in fact... Everything is okay. Why are we sending troops to the border if, in fact, the border is secure, like Mayorkas tells us every day? You know who asked that yesterday? Peter Ducey, the one courageous voice in that White House press briefing every day. And he asked it of the moron, Corrine Jean-Pierre. And it went like this. Cut number eight. If the border is secure, as the administration has said, then why would we need to send... 1,500 active-duty U.S. troops down there. Because we need more work. We need more work needs to be done, Peter. We put forth a a comprehensive immigration uh, uh, legislation, and Congress, Republicans in Congress, refused to act. And so the president has used the tools that he has in front of him uh, to to prepare ahead of uh, Title 42 lifting. As you know, that is happening uh, in, in the next couple of days. Good answer. (laughs) I mean, come on. There you have it, folks. Government at work. 
WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Noam and his nuggets coming up next. Then we'll talk to the great congressman just out of the hospital himself, my man Peter King, 9 o'clock hour. A couple of big guests, including New York Post columnist Michael Goodwin and my friend from Brooklyn, Ina Vernikov. All that and more. This, the Wednesday hump day edition on a Christopher Cross birthday with me, Sid Rosenberg, on Talk Radio 77, WABC. Talk Radio 77, WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77, WABC. Tainted Love, 8.30, hump day, Wednesday morning, May the 3rd, right? Got May my, 3rd. Uh, May 3rd, yeah, I got my, my uh, nephew, Henry, Henry Green, my niece Tamara, formerly Tamara Wagowski, that's my older sister, Olana, who I love but I hate her politics, and my brother-in-law, Harry, their daughter, Tamara, married to Lorne, and their son, Henry, Henry! is getting bar mitzvahed Saturday. So I'm going to take Gaby up to Rockland County. They live by New City. And go to the bar mitzvah. The good news is you go, we're going to shul in the morning. And then there's like a lunch, and that's it. Not one of these Saturday night extravagant, well, I'm just in no mood for any of that. I'm really in no mood for this. I love my family desperately, but I'm... I've been over this so many times. I've, I'm not a recluse by any stretch. I go to ball games. I go to Nick games, Ranger games, out for dinner. You can see my family in a million places out in New York every week. So I'm not a recluse. But I am sort of antisocial, even with family. And uh, I hate having to talk. And Like, I get friends. Frank Catania always inviting me for dinner. It's like, I don't want to talk to anybody. Everybody becomes like a political genius, a sports genius. They want to. I don't want to talk to anybody. I got to talk to you about the Adams yeah. interview. The Adams interview. Biden and Trump and. Why did you say that? Uh, well, let, let's have a drink first. You ever meet Donald Trump? Like, I, I, who cares? Yes. You ever meet Shaq? Yeah. So it's it's just it's. Uh, it's me. I know it's me. I, I just I don't care. What was Imus like uh, right. in 2000? Well, that was the biggest question I always got. There of were course. two people at FAN that was always Nobody. Imus and Francesa. Yeah, my, my shirt could be on fire and people would just want to know. I, was I he really as big as a dick yeah. as he sounded? I, I wanted to know. I've been meaning to ask. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, go yeah. ask him. Yeah, leave me alone. The answer is yes, he was. <laughs> yes, he was fine. worse. Yeah, worse than you think. Worse. 
It was somebody I was looking at. Um, we were talking about I miss with some. Oh, um, Opie. When Opie made uh, all those claims on his podcast, I think Tim Sabian, who used to run Howard Stern's channel, still does that for Opie. I don't know. I like Tim. Tim's a nice guy. But Opie made all these claims that he was ABC's first choice to replace Imus. They were going to pay him $100,000. Right then and there, he sounded idiotic. Right then and there, he had to know that. And then he goes, you know, I, I, I wonder if they offered Bernie and Sid the same. Not even close. That wasn't a real offer, dummy. You made millions of dollars, millions, part of a historic Opie and Anthony show. Couldn't have sounded dumber than he did there. I was the first choice, $100,000. Guy bagging groceries like Christides makes more than that. But um, you know who he's friends with on Instagram who will never talk to me again? Deirdre. Deirdre. You're like friends. You know, I've had people reach out to Deirdre. She's angry with me because I guess she felt like Bernie was even worse. Like, Bernie never had a nice thing to say about Don till the day he died. God rest my partner's soul. Not one. Me, I've been for years saying, well, you know, I, I, I go back and forth. Bernie's like, no, he's the devil. But she puts us both in the same class. No, no kidding. And she will never talk to me. And I've had people reach out to her. Not that it matters. If, God forbid, I die tomorrow and they speak to Deirdre ever again, so what? <laughs> but Sure. But I just think it's kind of unfair when you consider that I actually spend more time the last year saying nice things about that prick than I do bad things. And he doesn't even deserve it because he was a nasty bastard. Nasty. She wasn't around before then when he was really nasty, too. She wasn't even there. Well, I wasn't around either. Right. You knew him before, dude. Yes. Just... It got worse? It was, <laughs> well, it was worse. Then it got all right. Then it got yeah. bad again. And then his goopy kid took a shot at me and Bernie on Twitter. That was unbelievable. <laughs> Stupid Wyatt. I mean, the, the you know, the Don dies. We do this extravaganza, not nearly as big as what we did for Bernie, but Bernie was still here, you know. I mean, Bernie got like 30 days of tribute to his... Insane. But we did a, like a five-hour show for Imus. We brought back Charles McCord, Rob Bartlett, all these people. And why it's like, hey, I wonder when Bernie and Sid are going to mention my father. Really? Hello? <laughs> the hell is wrong with these people, though? I don't know. Hey. Well, you hate them all anyway. So. Uh, yeah, I do, yeah. They could all die in a fiery crash. You couldn't kill us. I mean, I wouldn't go that fan. far. You, but... wouldn't even, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't even report it. <laughs> Yeah, I probably you wouldn't would. even report it. No, I probably yes, would he not. would. It would be top story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this just in breaking news. Uh, Wyatt <laughs> and Deidre Imus. <laughs> no, 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 but fine. Just stop right there. Yeah, we're holding you know, a parade down Third Avenue. <laughs> what do you got for us this morning? One of, his top, one of his stories before he starts the news. So I'm driving in. i got to tell you guys. I was so happy. I had the party. Okay, fine. <laughs> so happy you were here. <laughs> yeah, no, what do you got for us? Well, <laughs> We get, actually, you set me up very nicely. There's um, there's a guy in Portchester who did something that people will rarely do. He went in and saved this woman's life. It's an amazing story. His name is Mike Malazzo. He is a local musician, kind of known well in the mu- music community here in New York. I don't and know. So, you never heard of him? No. Well, in a second, I'll let you hear what he sounds like. He sounds great. So he is home in Portchester. This is last week. And he hears a woman from across the street screaming for help. Huh? And um, he thankfully he was home because he's a musician. Most of this gigs, of course, at night. So he runs across the street and he pushes in the door. And the woman who lives there, 
She's disabled. She's in a wheelchair. So he knows he's up against it, and flames are just coming just about everywhere. She has a walker, so I pushed the door open to let her, and she was concerned about the animals in the house and her papers and whatnot, and I was like, well, we really need to go. It wasn't a very pretty saving. It wasn't like the bodyguard where I swooped her up in my arms and I carried her off. Basically, I grabbed her by her arm and started to try and pull her around. She immediately fell on me, and we both kind of tumbled out to the door. Yeah, and and, uh, Sid, this was, like, so intense because there are flames coming everywhere. He he has to essentially drag this woman out the front door because she can't come out on her own. They tumble out the front door. It was at the timing of when I pulled her out. I feel like I was in the right place at the right time to help her, you know, because if I had been any minute longer... I don't know if she would have gotten out of the house or gotten, she would have, could have gotten trapped. As soon as we got her away, cooked hard, like the electrical lines exploded. It was like out of a movie. Yeah, and the sad part is her, her dogs were still inside, so she begged uh, Mike, and there was another guy there, to run back into this house to get her dogs, but they started to walk in, and the smoke was just too intense that they were just like, there's no way. And oh. unfortunately, um, one dog survived, but I think two other pooches did not. And um, he does wonder, like, you know, what would have happened if he hadn't been home? And just lucky that his gig is a thing is at night. I can't even imagine sitting there watching your whole life, you know, all your memories and everything you have burning in a fire, you know, and you stare there and looking at it. You know, I can't. Oh, it, it still gets me emotional now. Yeah. So he didn't want me to call him a hero, but he is. I mean, just the fact that uh, he went in there. Yeah, that's great. Grabbed this woman. She. He said a minute later, two minutes later, she would have passed away because. Oh my so, God. And he he was singed. I didn't mention that. How he bad? Was, uh, not terrible, but he was singed as he was trying to pull her out because the flames were so intense. Just even in the doorway, the house, unfortunately, a complete loss. Uh, but the uh, woman, thankfully, is okay. I mean, essentially, he oh saved her God. life. Well, good. What's his name again? Say it again. His name is Mike uh, Malazzo. Mike Malazzo, rather. Mike Malazzo. It's MikeMalazzo.com, by the hmm. way, where you can see some of his music. I actually. Well, was, how do you spell that last name? It's uh, M-I-L-A-Z-Z-O. Mike Malazzo. Good for him. And um, I was searching through his music catalog because I was like, oh, you know, he's a full-time musician. I thought I found one song that I thought was kind of. I found a bunch, but this one I kind of liked. you want to hear it? Sure. I mean, he is a hero. We should at least like, play his Absolutely, music. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. And you know they'll make you And you want to put it down And you never let you I've been denying Good stuff, yeah. Congratulations to this guy. All right. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, sure. My wife, Danielle, just tells me. I love when she does this. So she listens to me occasionally. She's like Marianne from Brooklyn. Marianne from Brooklyn and Danielle Rosenberg listen to me on Thursday and Friday. And why do you listen to me on Thursday and Friday? Because those are the two days that Howard Stern takes off. <laughs> okay. You can't make it up. <laughs> yeah, right. Marianne from Brooklyn, I understand. My wife, I don't get it. That's right. the way it works. Right. So she's texting me. She goes, Howard just mentioned you. It was a big day for me. Oh, so she wasn't even listening to you right now? No. And she loves this segment with you. It was a big day. I'm on page two of the New York Post. 
me and Mayor Eric Adams. My name is all over the place. Page 3 and 4, Daily News, Politico. My friend Paul Hayden tells me they're talking about the story of me and Adams in Australia. You kidding? I swear to God. But she's not listening. She don't care. She's listening to Howard. And uh, she said, Howard just mentioned you and Sid and friends in the morning. And said, and why is that? Well, you may remember last week when Bill O'Reilly came on, I thanked Bill O'Reilly for the really generous donation he made to our charity, inspired by our son Gabriel, the Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia and DCD. But right before Bill came on, I played a cut of Howard. And I don't remember what Howard was talking about, but Bill always talks about Howard after I play a cut because Bill tells everybody he knew Howard when they went to Boston University together. And you may remember a couple of months ago was Bill's birthday. And uh, it was Howard Stern's birthday. And Howard shares a birthday with Rush. And I brought it up to Bill. And Bill said, well, I knew Howard from college. And Howard the next day went nuts on O'Reilly. I didn't know him, never met him. He tells everybody that. And he mentioned me. And Bill was on with Sid, you know, Sid, Sid and Friends. So I guess Bill mentioned Howard again on this show last week, just Thursday. And uh, Howard just played the clip, or the clip, I should say, and mentioned me and Sid and Friends in the morning. So, huh, That's cool. There you have it. So anytime Bill O'Reilly comes on the show and mentions Stern, Stern is compelled <laughs> to play it. Of course. So now I have to find a way to include Howard in every Bill O'Reilly conversation. <laughs> I'll come up with a list of <laughs> questions for you. Let's do that tomorrow. Okay. Uh, you're on right before him. He's on at 840. So at 825, if you can come up with all the ways to include Howard Stern with oh, Bill O'Reilly. No problem. I'll do that. That'll be I'm, great. I'll come up with all the Isn't questions. Isn't that great timing, yes, too? Yes, it will be. And that's all we need. we got to get this show out there, folks. we got billboards, hey, Al Farage, RPM. We're in local papers. we got Stern talking about us. <laughs> that is how you get a 7.5. That could be a, a new job for Noam now to edit those titles. <laughs> yes. And he also is keeping the suspension list. Yeah, on. well, that's short. No. There's a guy, AG, who's on. And then, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, is there anybody else on? Yeah, I think that's it. Greg Kelly. Oh, right, Greg Kelly. Audio dollars off. Curtis Lee was off. I'll let somebody play. Don't worry. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Oh, what a night. Joe Esposito, brain surgery yesterday, brain tumor. According to a lot of my buddies, Joe from the Sorrentino Restaurant in Bell Harbor, Bo Deedle, he's doing okay. Peter King, two of my dearest friends, Peter went in for stomach tumor last week, and he's already home, thank God, doing okay. So here he is in my lifetime, along with Rudy Giuliani, the best New York politician I've ever seen. Congressman, Homeland Security, everybody loves him. And now a dear friend of the Rosenberg family, Peter King. Pete, I'm, uh, I'm glad you're home. How you feeling, buddy? Actually, Sid, I'm feeling pretty good. Yesterday I walked a couple of blocks. Uh, all, all was on the, you know, the road to recovery. Doctor said I should be uh, have another three or four weeks for full recovery. To be honest with you, there's no pain, slight bit of discomfort, and uh, I'm getting better each day, so... Uh, get ready. I'll be coming in the ring with you soon. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm happy to see that because you sent out a picture a couple of days ago. You're great with that Facebook and Instagram. And it was the day you got home. And you were sitting on one of your chairs in your house. And you said, ah, I'm not really in pain. I'm thrilled I'm home. But in the picture, 
it didn't look like you were all that comfortable. So I said to Danielle, I said, how does he look to you? She said, oh, he looks fine. Uh, maybe it's just me. I don't know. But you're telling me that you're pretty much pain-free. Yeah, what happened was I said the first three or four days after the surgery, uh, there was pain, but it was being managed by, uh, you know, painkiller, whatever, you know, whatever they give you, and it was working. By the time I got home on Saturday, most of the pain was gone, but there's a lot of soreness, which is no big deal. But, like, if you move a certain way, it would hurt. Not, you know, not severe pain, just like if you had a bad bruise or something. So probably with that picture, I was trying to get comfortable in the chair. I may have gotcha. come across. But, no, that, 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 yeah, that was nothing. I, uh, I was home. I was happy. And, uh, I'm, you know, I'm in good shape. I got a question for you, though. You're saying that Donald Trump is going to be on next Wednesday. Yeah. Am I getting bumped for him again? Like, you knocked me off of the with Yes, Eric? yes. Anytime a oh, Trump God. is on, you got to go. Who do I talk to? Frank Marano? Who? Adi Adela is going to be my lawyer in this case. Okay. Way. Well, let me tell you, you're not going to have to hire Artie, because let me tell you what I did for you, Peter. And if this doesn't yeah. prove my love and admiration for you, well, I don't know what does. <laughs> but I actually told the office, Margo, Margo Martin in President Trump's office, that the only time I can bring the president on next Wednesday is 8.05, it's the truth, because I've got Peter King at 8.40. <laughs> I swear. And the president agreed to give me 15 minutes at 8.05. So how about that? Wow, I tell you, that's, uh, <laughs> that shows sound judgment by the president. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, you're not kidding me for a minute. If he said 8.40, I would have been gone. Oh, God. I, I, I mean, gone. Yeah, gone. Yeah. I said you've got 7.40, 8.05, 8.40, 9.05. Pick one. <laughs> No, way, no, no. Uh, you mentioned Joe Esposito. Yeah. Esposito is one of the greatest guys I ever met. And actually, uh, I, 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 I saw the YouTube thing of him. You know, the talk was, or the, or the prognosis was, that once the tumor was removed, he wouldn't be able to speak. Right. It affected that part of his brain. Instead, he's singing on YouTube after the operation. He's a psycho. He's, it's so beautiful. He's happy. He's singing. And after getting really bad news two days ago, it turns out, it turned out to be good news. And that's what I wanted to ask about you is, you know, you go in, you've got this stomach tumor, they remove it. It was malignant, but the prognosis moving forward is you're completely okay. They got all of it. It's okay. Yeah, the doctors are confident they are. If for some reason it's not, it would be minimal. But, no, they are. They told me they are totally, totally confident, yeah. Okay, they that's great. Tumor out, and this is a type of cancer that doesn't spread much anyway. Right. And uh, so the fact they got it all. No, they were, it, I tell you, when you wake up and you hear that, it's you know, the greatest, uh, greatest news in the world. It puts everything else sort of in uh, perspective. No, I mean, two great guys. You and Joe Esposito. I know your beautiful wife, Rosemary, and Erin, and Sean, and everybody was there for you. And we're very happy, both you guys, Peter King and Joe Esposito. So let's get back to the, um, well, I guess the news of the day. I don't know if you heard the interview I did yesterday with Eric Adams. It's made worldwide news from Australia to every newspaper here in New York, and specifically, I brought up Tiffany Caban running for council because of Curtis. And I said, you know, we got all these people, and all they do is badmouth the police, demonize the police, try to convince mm-hmm. little kids that police are bad. You think we'll ever get to the point where one day those people don't get the police help that people like you and I, who support the police, get? Well, he didn't disagree with me. And by the way, Tiffany Caban came out today. She heard the interview. And she lashed out at me and and Eric and anybody else who said, hey, we're allowed to say that. It's the truth. Police don't treat black and brown people the same way. So Tiffany Caban doubled down today. Me, I'm glad I said what I said. What about you? 
Absolutely. And I was you know, reading the daily news this morning. They're somehow just trying to make it like the wrong thing you said, and they're trying to. They, they said they, they said that I've got a black. Got yeah, they, they said I've got a blacklist of people. What are they talking right. about? All right. Now listen. What you're saying makes perfectly logical sense. I mean, listen. Now, as the law goes, you got to protect everybody. But it is really annoying to think. Okay, some guy like you who's out there doing everything you can for the cops is going to get the same protection as her, who does nothing but downgrade the cops, uh, create problems for the cops. And as people like her, that's actually put cops' lives in danger. Because, listen, there's 35,000 cops, whatever the number is. The fact is, they can have all the guns they want. They can't protect themselves if the people have turned against them. And what's happening here is now people like Kaman and AOC and others are turning people against the cops, and they're turning people against the cops in the neighborhoods that need the cops the most and where there's the most violence and where not only their lives are at risk, but the cops' lives are at risk. So, no, what she's doing is a disgrace. You know, I grew up in Sunnyside right next to Astoria. And uh, a few years, you're Peter Valone. He was a great uh, city councilman from that area. I grew up in the sunny side. We had a conservative Democrat, Jim Delaney. Now they have AOC. I mean, this, right. what's happening to that part of the world? Yeah. Astoria, uh, Jackson Heights, sunny side have gone over to this far left. And, you know, listen, Curtis is a nut. Curtis and I are fighting all the time. I think John Casmatee should charge from rent for all the uh, <laughs> illegal occupying he does there. I mean, John is like Eric Adams. Where he lets in illegal people to sleep there. And uh, the next thing, you know, here we ask him for a free radio or something or a, or an iPhone. But the thing is, he has done such a great job on this thing with Kavan yeah. and the whole crowd. That's <laughs> hilarious. Don't laugh. You'll hurt your stomach. He has done a great job, and he's uh, out there endorsing Kelly Klingman, and so am I. So you're right. He, he's basically at this point an illegal immigrant living in this building, but he does do great stuff with that. Uh, yeah, those are writers this morning, Galstad and that scumbag Chris Sommerfeld of the New York Daily News. They make it a habit of crushing me and or the mayor every time he's on. So this this notion that I've got a blacklist of people is uh, ridiculous. But, hey, that's uh, that's called freedom of speech, I guess. Also, another good, really good thing you're doing is keeping your bond with uh, Eric Adams. You know, you and I can disagree with him on any number of issues. The fact is he's right now the best that's around the Democratic Party. And when you get to know him, you know, uh, you know him better than I do with the extent I know him. His heart is in the right place. He wants yep. to do the right thing. Agreed. And, uh, you, you know, we've got to stay in, stay in touch with him and in contact with him. Well, I do. And, uh, you know, like I said earlier this morning, as soon as the conversation ended, and it got pretty contentious, I called him out for using the word racist. I said, they're going to call you a racist. Well, the first thing he sent me was, that was fun. So I respect the mayor for that. One more story I want to cover. You know, of yeah. course, that uh, Mayorkas and the White House always contend, Pete, that the border yeah. is secure, it's okay. When Title 42 ends, we'll be okay because here comes Title 8. And I thought Peter Tusi asked a perfect question of KJP yep. yesterday when he said, well, wait a second. If the border is so secure, why are we sending another 1,500 troops? Pretty good question, yes? Perfect question. She had such a snotty reply to him, condescending. And I, I say he's amazing. I wish I had the composure he has. I mean, he just keeps looking at her, asking the question again and again. Uh, you know, never lets her uh, get him rattled. No, that, that was the appropriate question. And also, you know, the 1,500 troops, that's not really as good as it sounds because American troops are limited in what they can do on American soil, as the Posse Comitatus law. So they can't really take any action. Most they can, it's good PR, and they can provide some logistical support and communications, but they can't arrest anyone. They can't shoot anyone. They can't get involved in actually doing any law enforcement work. The benefit that we'll have, they will be doing the uh, – uh, say, you know, the book work or the communications work 
that the uh, Border Patrol does. So that'll uh, loosen up more Border Patrol agents to be at the border. But it's not like we're sending the army to defend the border. Now, maybe we should. But listen, you're right. This is this is all a self-created crisis by Joe Biden. When he came in, the extent that the border could be under control or was under control and it was getting better all the time, he was basically inviting the illegals in. Then he said for two years they weren't coming in. Now he says it's so bad he has to send in the army. Now, this is a totally self-inflicted wound, not self-inflicted on himself, but more so on the country and on the people down there. I mean, I imagine living along the border in Texas or New Mexico, Arizona. My God, this Terrible. is a, yeah. get a life out of you. They just showed a, a video of, the, of El Paso, Texas, and the streets beat a line with bodies, lined with sleeping and getting up in the morning and it looks like a third-world country. It's awful. Let me uh, speak on behalf of the Rosenbergs and all of New York and America that we're all really happy you're okay. We love you, Pete King. That's bipartisan. Republicans love you. Democrats love you. New Yorkers love you. So we're glad you're okay. You sounded great with me this morning. Keep feeling better. We'll do it again next week, buddy. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. What a great guy, Peter King. I love him. I really love him. And I'm glad he's on the mend and doing okay. Big 9 o'clock hour to come your way, including New York Post columnist Michael Goodwin and one of my favorite politicians in Brooklyn, New York, in a vernacle. All that coming back with Sid and Friends in the morning. Informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. including Ralph Napolitano, want me to invite these two Daily News writers, Goldstadt and this scumbag Sommerfeld, on. Because, you know, the New York Post writes a story this morning about my interview with Eric Adams yesterday, and it's on page two, by the way, page two. They do a good job. You know, they talk about what I asked Eric and what he answered, basically the Tiffany Caban stuff. But the Daily News guys, like most liberal media outlets, they editorialize. Right. So in this column, for example, they talk about me being a white, conservative Donald Trump supporter. Oh, my God. Mind you, there's about 70 million of us. 70 million. You go on to say that I've got a blacklist of people who I want cops to stop serving. I don't have any list, no blacklist, you two morons. Caban's got a pamphlet out there telling little kids that cops kill black and brown people. What blacklist? And then they go on to say that I basically had the balls to lecture the mayor 
about what it's like to be black. And I did. Lecture him. I just explained to him that despite what some black people say, black people are, in fact, racist. There's a school of thought that blacks can't be racist because they were slaves. Really? Joy Reid, Al Sharpton, Don Lemon, LeBron James. Want me to keep going? So they put all these things in there in this article instead of just telling about the conversation between me and Adams, which has now gotten worldwide coverage. My next guest is one of my favorite politicians. She's in Brooklyn, the neighborhood I grew up in. Sheepshead Bay and Brighton Beach and the Midwood section, all those fine places. She's a hero, a councilwoman. And um, she came up with this End Jew Hatred Day. And the city council, Tiffany Caban, there's the name right there, hates cops. Right? The city council has more horrible people. I mean, the worst of the worst. And they don't even want to do this. I saw Eric Dinowitz a couple of days ago in tears, but in a Vernikov, to her credit, in front of the whole council, almost this last week, goes off on these people, calls them out for what they are. Play this a little. Go ahead. I propose to proclaim April 29th as a day to end Jew hatred, like they did in five other cities, localities, and states, to send a message to all Jewish New Yorkers that this city, elected officials and leaders of all faiths, stripes, and colors have your back, that this city will not tolerate you being harassed, vilified, or beaten in broad daylight, that we commit to taking action when your civil rights are being violated, that today... We set aside political differences and commit to working together to end Jew hatred because we all agree that anti-Semitism is unacceptable in any society. I thank Speaker Adams, Chair Osei, and all my colleagues for the bipartisan support this resolution has received. But it's also astounding to see the council members who clearly do not want to end Jew hatred. Your anti-Semitism is showing. Thank you. <laughs> Your anti-Semitism is showing. Way to go, Inna. Here she is. Inna Vernikov, that was awesome, Inna. Good stuff. Good morning, Sid. Good morning, everyone. It's been a minute. It's been a, more than a minute, actually. I believe it's been a couple of months, but, you know, you uh, made me aware, of course. We'll get to your election coming up, too, which is going to be newsworthy, but uh, of this speech you made in front of the council and end your hatred. Now, I did talk about that day a couple of days ago. As I said, I played the Eric Dinowitz cut. His cut not nearly as passionate as yours. And you're right, Ida. It's hard to believe that anybody, anybody would be against ending Jew hatred, clearly anti-Semites. You know, Sid, I have to say even I was shocked. I, I mean, a simple resolution calling for a day to end Jew hatred. It's symbolic. Resolutions, there's, people, uh, council members never vote no or abstain from resolutions. It's just it never happens, and I'm, I'm there on the floor talking about the atrocities of the Holocaust. I'm talking about how our grandparents were sent to gas chambers and concentration camps, and I'm sitting right next to them, and I hear, no, no, <laughs> abstain, 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 four abstentions and, and two no's. And by the way, the abstentions, that, that just means no. You're just, right. you, you, two of you are anti-Semites, and four of you are anti-Semites under cover. Well, are you, allowed, uh, are you allowed to share the names of these people? I mean, I, I believe the best way to humiliate these people is to call them out. I don't know if you want to do that. You've got to work with them every day. But if you really want to make a difference, call these bastards out. 
said it, it's public information. It's all over the news. It, it was in the Post. It was in many, many publications. One of the council members who abstained, uh, you know, regretted the next morning. I spoke to her. We're going to go to a Holocaust museum. I mean, it, it's did, did she explain to you? Did she explain to you why she abstained? It's great that she came to her senses, this moron, and I'm glad to take her to a museum. But did she explain why she abstained in the first place? Uh, she tweeted it. She said she did not read the resolution. I mean, it says end Jew hatred. <laughs> How much review do you need for a resolution that says end Jew hatred? Now, what about and the re- what about the rest of these other people that actually said no, didn't abstain, but said no? Did they give any reason why they were saying no? So check this out. Shahana Hanif voted no and said she couldn't. She couldn't be quiet. She had to talk about why she she's voting no. And so she said that this resolution was proposed by extreme right-wingers, MAGA insurrectionists who don't support our trans brothers and sisters. What she was referring to was a letter that I sent to Congress, I think two weeks ago, in support of the Women's Protection Act uh, because of the craziness that's going on right now in women's sports. You got biological men competing with biological women, biological females, in sports, and they can never win. Women can never win. And there was there was an outcry. It's like we just wanted to, myself, together with Councilmember Riola and Vicky Palladino, we sent this letter to Congress in support of this because we just think it's insanity and, and it's totally unfair to women. And where are all these women's rights advocates? Where where are the progressives yeah. who support yeah. women yeah. in this? And so I was called out because. I don't support our trans brothers and sisters. That's why she cannot vote for a resolution, a simple resolution, to call for a day to end you hatred. I have a question. Uh, I'm not surprised that Joanne Ariola and Vicky Palladino, two uh, lovely and great American ladies, uh, voted with you. Uh, I don't know who this person is. I didn't even catch her name. Is she black? I'm just curious. Just curious. Shahana Hanif. Check her out. Okay, she is. Okay. Uh, Look, there's a whole bunch of issues that go into this, people lie. She used that as an excuse to trans stuff. Trust me, people just lie every day. The truth is, like you said, these people have anti-Semitism in their hearts because let's say, let's say she was angry with you about what you did in terms of the transgenders. And by the way, you're 1,000% right. Any normal, sane person would agree. You're 1,000% right. But let's say she was mad about that. Why would she choose to attack a resolution protecting Jewish people. Why? That's her payback. I'm going to pay back the Jews because you're not nice to the transgenders. So what that says is she's an anti-Semite, bottom line, no matter what she says. You're absolutely right. It's totally an excuse. And you know what? She, she also said that she's always supporting her Jewish brothers and sisters. She has never once in City Hall spoke up about the Jewish community or anti-Semitism. We are the biggest, the most targeted ethnic minority right now. And she, I have never heard her speak up. Uh, so this is, it's just an excuse. They're anti-Semites. And it's really sad to see that in the city council, New York City, the most tolerant city in the world, right? Please. I mean, I just, uh, as I, I know you heard, I spoke to the mayor yesterday. It's in every newspaper in this city, political, uh, even places out of this country. And I uh, talked about Tiffany Caban, city council, looking for to, uh, money for city council who's out there with pamphlets for little kids in it, little kids saying that police kill brown and black people for doing the same exact thing that white people do every day. And when that was printed 
in the papers this morning, you would have thought Tiffany would have come to her senses and maybe tried to explain it away. No, she doubled down and she said, listen, it's a fact. Police treat brown and black people differently. It's everywhere. Anti-Semitism, anti-cop, anti-Asian, it's everywhere, you know. So, Sid, this is why I make it my business to expose this stuff. I talk about it. I go on the radio. I go on the news. I talk about what's going on so people know because so many people don't even know the craziness that's going on over there. And that's why it's so important to vote these people out and vote in, you know, even normal Democrats. Vote in the common sense Democrats or, or Republicans. I mean, of course, I, I'm rooting for Republicans because I think that we're the ones with the most common sense. But, you know, I would be happy to see these folks being replaced with centrist Democrats. That's why it's so important for people to vote. And we've, we've got elections coming can up. I, can I ask you a question? Because um, my, my boss, John Katsimatidis, and I, I know you know this. He's like my father. We're that close. And he uses those two word, three words all the time, common sense Democrats. He's a very smart guy, very successful, much more than me. I can't find any. I mean, Eric Adams at times is, but not on a consistent basis. I can't find any common sense Democrats. Dove Hyken, for example, is our mutual friend. He says he's a Democrat. He's just not. At this point, he's adopted just about every Republican belief outside of, uh, I don't even know what, maybe gays, I don't even know. So can you tell me who these common-sense Democrats are? Because it sounds lovely, but I can't think of one, not one. You should come visit us in City Hall. We have something called the Common Sense Caucus. We have two Democrats, just two, but we have two Democrats in the Common Sense Caucus. And let me tell you, there are others, but they're just quiet. There really are other Democrats who are really normal, they just don't speak up. That's the issue. Yeah, but that's that a crime have. right there. That's a crime. I mean, that's a crime right there. If they're, I hear you. Right? I mean, what good is it I if they're you. common sense Democrats and they don't talk? Because, I, again, I can't, I, I believe me, I want it to exist. Because I've been a Democrat Jew most of my life out of Brooklyn. But I can't do it anymore. I can't do it. And I can't label people nicely who are part of that party because they're just absolutely insane these are crazy people so that gets to you you on the other hand you are a great council person you're exactly what brooklyn and the state needs but now because of all this redistricting nonsense and uh you know the all these uh, districts changing you have a primary coming up uh in june which never should have been the case but it is the case now isn't it yeah i mean people are asking like what you just got elected why is there an election again? But, yeah, unfortunately, because of the redistricting, um, it feels like I just won. I just got in. Um, I just started my work. But, unfortunately, I have another election. And now there's a primary. Uh, there's someone trying very hard to get me out of office. So uh, there's a primary. The election is June 27th. And I ask everyone to please, all the registered Republicans, to come out to vote on June 27th. Um, or there's early voting. It starts June 17th. So, please, it's really, really important. I think, you know, we're talking about all the crazy in the city council, but it's really, really the onus is on the public, on on the people to come out and vote in the right people. So I'm asking everyone to please not stay home. Um, if you're going to be away, you could always get an absentee ballot um, and just make sure you vote. June 27th, you better vote for Inna Vernikov. I'm going to come to your house and beat you up, bottom line. And I can do that. I'm a pretty, pretty strong guy. Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, this Justin Brennan uh, race, I know that you know Ari Kagan and some others. I know Anna, friend of yours as well. Are you, uh, you have a, a healthy interest 
and not one, two. Have you endorsed anybody? You're talking about it right now. Worried about your own uh, your own race. I am really busy with my own race, but of course I um, endorse the Republican. And in this race, I endorse Anna. I think she's the best uh, candidate to win. I think she has the best shot of beating the Democrat, and we'll see how it turns out. Anna, you're still endorsing Anna. Okay, great. And for you, June 27th, and again, even though uh, we played that audio of you and you were great again this morning, Anna, calling out these people for being anti-Semites, for the most part, you feel like the council is made up of pretty good people, or are you disappointed with the council? I, I think for the most part, it's it's really good people. Unfortunately, some of them don't speak up. You know, I'll tell you that if if a lot of them spoke up, we would see a different city council because we talk to these people on the side. We, I, I'm friends with some of these people. I talk to them weekly, daily. Um, if we just had their voices, I mean, I can't even tell you how many people were upset about what happened the other day with this reso, but they didn't they didn't talk about it. They didn't they didn't make any public statements. Hmm. It's very unfortunate. Uh, but I think that, you know, when you look at the numbers, say, for this resolution, the majority of the city council overwhelmingly supported it. It passed. We just have a couple of these voices that are loud yep. uh, that we need to vote out, vote yep. them out of office. Get them out. So on the way out, is it true what I'm hearing? that uh, the city council, led by you, at some point you're considering naming a street in Sheepshead Bay after me? Is that true? Let's talk about it. Of course. <laughs> one day, Sid, one day. Okay, okay I'll take it. Uh, June 27th, please go vote for my friend Inna Vernikoff. She's proven how great she is, uh, taking care of my favorite parts of Brooklyn, where I grew up, of course. Excellent job with your End You Hatred Day resolution. And for those folks who didn't come along, my belief is their political lives are short-lived. Inna, you are great, sweetheart. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. You got it. Inna Vernikoff, folks. Go vote for a June 27th in Brooklyn. Continue to make a difference. Michael Goodwin, New York Post columnist, will join me coming up at 940. And I've got a personal friend, Spencer's kid, right, Dave Ross? You're going to hop on and talk about addiction and how you can help there, too. It's a, it's a tragic story, but hopefully has a nice ending. Sit and friends in the morning. Keep it right here. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. couple of weeks on this show, I've had great sports voices like Marv Albert, Mike Breen, Ian Eagle, all those guys on the show. One of the real great sports voices ever in New York, Spencer Ross. So many years doing the Jets and Knicks and so many other sporting events. Terrific guy. And I uh, got to know his family a little bit, more than a little. In fact, uh, his son Dave is very active on my Facebook page and Got to know Dave a couple of years ago. We don't agree much on politics. Neither do Spencer and I. In fact, I told them both to go F themselves many times. But we've got something in common, me and Dave, in that I am in recovery. I have struggled with addiction my whole life and a ton of addictions. And Dave lost his twin brother, John, tragically, many years ago. But the good good thing that Dave does is that he's out there talking about it as often as he can which is important, 
and then throw his wife, Jennifer Danielle, my wife's name, Jennifer Danielle Crumpton, into the mix. And together they created something called Kula for Karma, a nonprofit that strives to improve the mental health of people suffering trauma, addiction, and a wide range of mental health conditions. Of course, don't forget, two days ago, May the 1st, we did start Mental Health Awareness Month, which is a perfect time to bring on Dave and Jennifer, talk about their family tragedy and why they're taking that and making this world a better place. Based on Dave's brother's loss, you can make things better. And Dave's going to tell you how right about now. Dave, Jennifer, Dave, good morning, pal. How are you? Good morning, Sid. How are you? Thank you for that intro. Good morning. Good morning, uh, Dave and Jennifer. You're welcome for the intro. I I hope I explained it properly. I I think I did, but uh, in a very uh, summary-like version, Dave or Jennifer, uh, give us the history behind Dave and John and why we're at this stage in the first place. Yeah, you know, so Sid, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. You know, look, I'm a you know, I'm a, I'm a litigator, and I'm a, I, people know me as a tough guy. But when I talk about my brother, I kind of lose it sometimes. So I apologize for that. But, okay. you know, my brother <laughs> was the greatest uh, human being in the world. He got me through law school. He he helped so many people. He was the kind of guy that everyone, you know, you think about and you hear about, and you're like, that guy is the best, you know. And he didn't look out for his own mental health. Um, he struggled. He was very successful. He went to Brandeis University. Uh, when I gra- when he graduated, I was in law school in Boston. We were roommates. He paid for everything. He made it so I got through law school. We came back to New York together in 2000, and he was successful in the insurance industry, and he always helped people. That was his thing, Sid. He always helped people, but all you know, to the detriment of himself to a certain period of time. And as you know, Sid, when addicts are alone, that's the worst possible times and on the B. And it got to be where he would, would be withdrawn, he would be alone, and mental health and addiction started to take hold of him. And, you know, um, it started innocently with Ambien, you know, because he couldn't sleep, and I think he was having anxiety, and it went into opioids. And, you know, mm. he passed away in October 2013. Mm. Um, you know, he didn't get to meet his niece. Um, they, you know, they're so, he didn't get to go to my wedding. Um, so, you know, so many things. But, you know, mental health, you know, we've always frowned upon it for so long. You know, we, we never, you know, you know, we, we think about mental health, and now people are starting to understand that mental health is so important to, to this world because it leads to drug addiction. It leads to death. It leads to people losing people they love, yeah. and they can never get back. No, listen, so, it, it leads to all those things. It also leads to uh, kids, basically, children walking into schools with semi-automatic weapons, murdering other yeah. kids. Uh, that leads yeah. to that, too. Those people are all crazy. Uh, well before they purchased a gun, they were crazy, and we, we don't concentrate on that. We talk about gun laws. That's a whole other story. But uh, all these things are affected by mental health, and including the loss of your brother, so tragic, Dave. And, Jennifer, here's where you come into play, Jennifer Crumpton, Dave's lovely wife. Uh, cooler for Karma. Tell us about that and exactly what they do for people like John and, and you and Dave. Sure. So Cooler for Karma was started in 2007 by an amazing woman named Jerry Topfer and her uh, friend Penny Finer. Um, and Penny has been in recovery for, gosh, it's, I think she's about to have her 40-year anniversary, Sid. Awesome. And uh, so it, the organization is led by people who totally get it. They've been there. They've had family members. They've had their own personal experiences, and they were using mindfulness 
for to treat things like addiction, trauma, um, and mental illness before it was a thing, you know? They were going into addiction treatment facilities, into hospitals, um, going into prisons, you know, going into juvenile detention centers, group homes, places where people who struggle end up being, and teaching them how to use mindfulness practices for mental health. Because actually, science-backed data shows that mindfulness practices are one of the most effective ways to address and improve mental health and actually help our mental health uh, in scientific studies just as much, if not more, yeah. than um, than do uh, drugs. Right, um, right, right. Drugs for depression. Which, which, I think, which, which I think we go to the drug uh, uh, part way too yeah. quickly. Way too quickly we over-medicate some of these people. And uh, in the end, that turns out to be more hurtful than it helps. So with um, with Cooler for Karma, Jennifer, and I'll get back to Dave as we wrap this up. If somebody wanted to make a donation today to help in, in John's name, God rest his soul, they can do that with you. How do they do that the easiest way? The easiest way is to go to KulaForKarma.org. That's K-U-L-A-F-O-R-K-A-R-M-A.org. Kula for Karma is Sanskrit for Community for Helping Others. And one of the populations that we love serving, um, that we started to serve during the pandemic, is uh, frontline workers like hospital staff, police, firefighters, EMTs. All the people who are on the front lines of keeping our communities healthy and safe, um, you know, they're some of the people who take so much of the burden, and uh, so their mental health is so important. So a lot of, you know, many of the donations that will become, all of the donations that come in will be going to our program to help people with addiction and also these first responders. Yeah, they actually have a, a very, very high suicide rate, uh, the first responders, which is incredibly sad, uh, even higher than transgenders, I believe, which is hard to believe. So, Dave, uh, in wrapping this up, uh, I know your father is such a proud man, and again, a, a legend. Spencer Ross is an absolute legend, and it ought to be very, very difficult for Spencer to go do a Jet game or a Nick game knowing what was going on with John, but you guys uh, dealt with it. And now, again, you and Jen, your family doing tremendous work uh, in memory of your brother. If your brother is able to listen right now up there behind the pearly gates, what do you want to tell him? I want to tell him that his legacy will live on. You know, he was all about healthy people. And that's, you know, that's what I want to do. I know he wouldn't want anyone to suffer like we have. So <laughs> that's his legacy. That's what I want him to know, and I love him. Oh, that's beautiful. Good ending. Hey, Dave and Jen, thank you so much. Cooler for Karma, both of you guys did a great job in delivering your message this morning. I wish uh, the Ross family nothing but good and health moving forward. And God bless John. God rest his soul. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much, Dave. Really appreciate it, buddy. All right, guys. Take care. Dave Ross and Jen. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC.
I got to tell you, I just read that Daily News column again. And this stuff doesn't bother me. And now it works. Especially this loser Chris Sommerfeld. But it's really a hit job on me. Did you guys read it? No, you no, don't but care. I get my impression is, of course, it was a hit job on you. You did, though. You didn't well, say that this morning. Why do, I, why do I need to read it if you're going to just um, summarize the entire thing? I didn't in, summarize in, in your words, which is the only version I need to hear. I'm, I'm t- I gave you <laughs> their words, you moron. What my words? Well, you they gave, wrote it. You gave slight reaction. My, my reaction was mine, yes. But, right, yeah, yeah, but they wrote that I'm a white conservative. What conservative? I'm pro-choice. And you're barely white, you to dumb be bastards. Yeah. Right. You're barely white. Oh. You're more like an orange. And I'm lecturing the mayor on race? More like burnt orange yeah. red. I Shut think. up, both of you. Think. How about burnt orange? Trump is on next Wednesday. Yeah, how about that? Ellie, well, you want to do the interview? Sure. What would be the first question you would ask Trump? Next Wednesday, 8.05. I've got Trump for 15 minutes. Go, What's, go, the first good, good What's the first Mr. question? What's the first question? How many times a week do you go to the gym, Mr. President? <laughs> Shut up. See, this is why I can't trust you with anybody do or anything. Like, I don't even want you to pick up the phone when he calls in. Let him call me directly. <laughs> no, God. You don't even know how to pick up the phone in there. You have Ryan. no idea. A great question, Justin. Let me explain my entire <laughs> schedule to you Well, I'm right doing back, I'm doing back and buys today. Yes. I push away all the bad hombres off the treadmill. <laughs> yeah. So, in today's New York Post, I'm on page two. Caban's idea hurts kids, Eric. Page two is Sir Tiffany Caban, this lowlife, who comes back and says, Hey, I said nothing controversial. We all know cops aren't nice to everybody. That's not what you said, Caban. You said, quote, Black and brown people get killed for doing what white people do. That's not everybody. So then I got to uh, Michael Goodwin's column, Texas Blame Games Lame. And say one thing about Mike, first of all, he's a great radio guest. He's been coming on almost weekly because I love the guy. He's great. I used to hear him on Simone. I'm like, this guy's phenomenal. And his columns are terrific, too. I'm honored to have him. Here he is, my friend Michael Goodwin. Good morning, Michael. How are you, pal? Good morning, Sid. Thank you. You're welcome. Nice to have you. And, um, well, yeah, you went uh, went at it pretty good this morning. Same conversation I had with the mayor yesterday. I flat out said to him, stop using the word racist, which I was yeah. taking to task for today in the Daily News. I was lecturing a black man. But the truth is, there is this, uh, this feeling out there that black people can't be racist because of slavery. I got news for you. Joy Reid, Don Lemon, these are some of the biggest racists I ever met. So when Eric does that, he's doing himself, and quite frankly, the black community, a disservice. I completely agree with you, and I think that uh, he sort of, uh, in your interview, he sort of danced around that point, saying that, uh, as he did yesterday publicly, too, that, uh, that because the mayors of these cities are black, Ergo, that's significant. Well, let me tell you how um, I know. And let me tell you how that's wrong. Let me ask you this, Mike. You're a much smarter guy than me. Let's say Bill de Blasio, white guy, was still the mayor in New York. Don't you think Abbott would be doing the same thing? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I don't think Abbott probably in some of those cities even knows who the mayors are. But, in fact, uh, there's an, Adams is making another mistake there. He's saying 108,000 cities or whatever. I don't know where he gets that number. But <laughs> uh, clearly the largest cities that Abbott has picked, the three, Chicago, New York, and Washington, D.C., are about, as you put it, Democrats, not race. It's about Democrats. So if Bill de Blasio was mayor, Abbott would be doing the same thing. It's not about black and white. It's about Republican and Democrat. And as you correctly said, 
the, the fact that these border states are bearing the brunt of this policy of open borders through no choice of their own. I mean, look at the pictures in El Paso of just tons of people sleeping on the streets. How is this good for the country? We don't know who these people are. There's no vetting going on. And, you know, you also uh, played part of the clip of Kathy Hochul, I believe it was probably with Errol Lewis. And at the end of it, she talked about providing money to get these people working and get them on a path to citizenship. Hello? They are here as asylum seekers. They may be deported when their cases are adjudicated and if they don't get asylum. Does she even know (laughs) the law? I mean, we're going to make citizens out of people who who are not in the country legally? You're exactly right. You've got a great ear. That was Kathy Hochul with Errol Lewis. And what you said about her is, is right, too. And I did make the argument, hey, why should California, Texas, New Mexico, and Arizona have to uh, deal with the whole brunt of this? But here's where Adams is tough, Mike. This is why I kind of like him, is because he'll say ridiculous things like this is a race thing. when we know, like you just said, it's anything but it's a Democrat thing. But then he'll call out Joe Biden for not doing the right thing. So... He almost provides just enough for every political fan base to kind of stick around, which is smart in some respects, but in the end could come back and haunt him. Well, look, I think as a as a strategy to get things done, it's it's not smart because I think you sap your your strength when you go off in contradictory directions. Look, I I think he's in a tough spot as 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 is Hochul in some way with the legislature. But you've got to be a bull in a china shop. I, I mean, I, I don't know any other model that really works. You've got to, you know, you can do it nicely, but you've got to keep tightening the screws. You can't give them an out. You can't change the subject. You can't be hard one day and soft the next. It doesn't work. And I think I'm thinking of Rudy Giuliani getting things done in New York City, Michael Bloomberg. Now, they were in some ways temperamentally polar opposites. But what they shared was a passion for the outcome. And neither one would rest until they got the outcome. They could be obnoxious about it. You know, even if you supported them, you could get tired of it. You get tired of the complaints, the tired of the, the, the banging on the door kind of thing. But that, unfortunately, is how you get things done. Yeah. And as I just think Eric Adams does not have a consistent push for one thing. You know, it, it, you, you talked about bail reform, and he enlarged the conversation. That's great. There's a lot wrong with the criminal justice system, and technology will help. But let's get the most important thing done now. That's what I think he comes up short on. I just I worry more and more about his uh, determination to see the results. He can say the right thing, but you've got to but you've got to translate that into an achievement with the legislature, with you know, with the city council. And he's all over the map on the uh, migrant issue. I mean, he's, you know, he's virtue signaling. We're going to build this. We're going to do that. We're going to send them to college. We're going to do all this. I mean, it it just (laughs) takes away from your general approach 
to improve city life for the residents who are already here and who are footing the taxes. He has been very reckless, I think, with the spending on this. You look at the city budget. He is now proposing roughly an 8% or $8 billion increase, 8%. Uh, and that's before the city council gets its hands on it. Uh, this, this, is, uh, this is well beyond inflation. How many people are getting 8% raises? How many taxpayers are getting 8% raises? The city raised its water and sewage rate by 5%. How many people are even getting 5% raises? He's got to do something to lower the cost of living in New York City. Wow, what a great job. This is why Michael Goodwin is one of the smartest people in New York, great columnist, great radio guest. You know, you got a little tougher with him, too, even more tough than you were just now. You actually said when you consider the Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer Brooklyn guy, and House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries, Brooklyn guy, the fact that Eric Adams can't get these guys to have those two move the administration in the right direction, you actually use the words dereliction of duty. That is a, um, those are strong words, Michael Goodwin. Well, yes, and, and that, again, is an example of how his focus uh, wavers. Now, if you really wanted to get the White House's attention, wouldn't you use all your ammunition, all of your options? And you have Schumer, the head of the Senate. You have Jeffries, the head of the House for the Democratic Party. Uh, Why haven't you called them together? Why haven't you said to them, you know, get the whole delegation excited, you know, withhold your votes, withhold approval on some Biden initiative until you get that? That's what you have to do. That's the only thing that works in the political system. People just, they, they respond to uh, problems and benefits. And if you're going to create a problem for Joe Biden, you'll get his attention. If you're not going to create a problem, it's the same thing I said about Eric Adams' endorsements uh, last year. He could have put the screws on Hochul. She needed his support. She needed particularly black support in New York City. Eric Adams said, could have said to her quietly, without publicly, I'm not endorsing you if you don't give me help on X, Y, and Z. I'm sorry, Governor. I like you. You say we're friends, we're partners, but you are not helping me. You are not going out on a limb far enough, and I'm not going to support four more years of this. I can't live with four more years of this. That is the kind of thing Rudy Giuliani or Mike Bloomberg would have done. It's the kind of thing that Nelson Rockefeller and George Pataki would have done. It's the kind of thing that Mario Cuomo would have done. Andrew Cuomo would have done it. Mm. That's hardball. That's what you have to do. You have to be a hard you-know-what. You do. And he actually went completely the other way. And every time he's got an opportunity to criticize Kathy Hochul, even small, he takes the opportunity to thank her. Tell us all yes. what a great job she does, which is ridiculous. The uh, column again is Texas Blame Games. Lame, good luck finding a better writer and radio guest than my friend Michael Goodwin. Another spectacular appearance, Michael. Thank you so much. God bless you. Let's do it again soon. My pleasure, Sid. Thank you. You're the best. Michael Goodwin. I love Michael Goodwin. I love him. We'll take a short break. We'll wrap things up. It's been a great Hump Day Wednesday show. Sid Rosenberg right here on Talk Radio 77. WABC.
77 WABC. Birthday tributes and right here with Ride Like the Wind for Christopher Cross. He got three today. He got the theme from Arthur, Sailing, and this one, James Brown. Birthday today. There was one more that we celebrated, Lou. Frankie Valley. Yes, we did Grease. Great job out of you, Lou. Once again, man, you're so good. And you're cute, too. You're kind of cute, Lou. Okay, wait till you have the money in your pocket before you come crawling over here. <laughs> yeah. You were great. Justin, great job today. Noam Layden. And uh, a really great list of guests. Tomorrow, too. And Friday is coming together very nicely. And, of course, don't forget a week from today, 8.05, the 45th and hopefully the 47th President of the United States, my friend Donald J. Trump, 8.05, next Wednesday, May the 10th. We've done for today. We hope you enjoyed it. Brian Kilmeade is coming up next. From all of us to all of you until 6 a.m. on a Bill O'Reilly Thursday. Peace!